Jackass debuts Cops Totally Rock, and Mark Zuckerberg becomes the center of one of the best movies of the decade this week on 302010. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 302010. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista, where we look back each week at the greatest in anniversaries from 30, 20, and 10 years ago in movies, TV, video games, music, and so very much more. Hello. Who else is with me today? I'm Diana Goodman. I'm 6'5", 230, and there's two of me. <laughs> <laughs> What's cooler than it's me, Sarah? A billion it's me, Sarah. Yeah, see? We're hinting at uh, one of the best recenter movies that 302010 will talk about with a special guest, no less. I don't know if we should tease it up top, but I, I, I am fascinated to see how this goes. I, I, one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen, and one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Come out this week, uh, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Hello, everybody. Um, oh, I should say right off the top, this show is executive produced by Mikey Cox and many other fine folks at patreon.com slash laser time, keeping us funded for almost five seasons, five years of 30, 20, 10. I didn't even realize we are headed towards the end of our fifth season. Oh my uh, gosh, this podcast is middle-aged. It's I, I, it's Just halfway done. Yeah, like I don't, <laughs> I don't know how we go five years after that. Uh, but but yeah, I cannot wait to see see us try. And remember, patrons, you, for five bucks, you can get uh, the the brand new, well, brand new as in late, uh, 302010 Games Edition with the Video, Video Game Apocalypse Boys and Chris Baker joining us once again where we talk about all the games that came out in this period in depth and uh, usually a little late at night and occasionally a little tipsy. Um, but yes, check that out. Patreon.com slash time. Thank you, Mikey. Uh, we are 302010. Sit right down, open up a portal, three little portals to uh, 1990, 2000, and 2010, because we're heading back 30, 20, and 10 years ago, back in time to September 25th through October 1st. I Look, it's officially Halloween. I'm sorry. October 1st. <laughs> this is our. I'm fine with that. First 30, 2010 of Halloween in 1990, 2010. Uh, we'll be covering uh, everything that happened uh, under the sun within those walls. And let's get into a little bit of news of 1990, beginning with 1990, as we always do, uh, September 25th to October 1st. I did not know this was this old. The Human Genome Project launch, um, estimating to take uh, 15 years to map and sequence 3.2 billion parts. It has finished 13. <laughs> Is yeah. that real? Oh my it God. came in ahead of schedule. Sequencing wow. All of human genetic information oh, goodness. on 1990-ass computers. Oh, goodness. I'm, I'm never going to be able to clone my dog. I'm like, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash leisure time to make cloning biscuit <laughs> a reality. I, I did not know that it was that old. Um, Neither. And here's something no. I very vaguely remember because we would have discussions about this as a little kid, what the X rating meant. Because it did mm -hmm. mean something mm -hmm. up until this week when the MPAA said it did not. MPA, the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, replaces the X rating with NC-17, beginning with Henry and June, coming out next week. Um, they also start adding explanations to the, the R ratings, including violence, nudity, drug material, and suggestive situations. Sometimes uh, you see one. smoking now, which is interesting. Yeah. It is mm -hmm. strange. Smoking, uh, smoking. Well, I was going to watch this movie, but there's smoking. Or I wasn't going to watch this movie, but there's nudity. <laughs> I can, I can see how it it would be weird. It'd be like someone getting drunk in a kids movie, or 
anything from Disney pre-1950. <laughs> um, These are the original content warnings. Yeah. Uh, but, and but, they've just gotten more and more specific over the years. Yeah. Or, I, I remember, or trigger exactly. warnings. Diana, I mean, it, it took them 30 years, really. Well, yeah, 20 and change to realize that when you have a G, PG, then PG-13, R, and then everything else, <laughs> X... Start X could be Midnight Cowboy, which just has very adult themes and mm-hmm. some sex in it, or it can mean full on penetration. <laughs> I, I remember a, many a schoolyard discussion. No, 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 man. X is blowjobs. Uh, double X <laughs> is like marriage and stuff. Triple X is like snuff. <laughs> we were like, because uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't know. But I think you you ended up informing me of that. Like the MPAA failed to copyright the X. Yep. And the porn people just like, fuck yeah, we're X. Hell we're yeah. Quadruple <laughs> a billion X's. It just, and they just took it away from them to where it just meant porn. And yeah. and it wasn't. That like Martin Lawrence's film would have been X. His stand up film would have been X for language. Uh if yeah. if, if they were still using that uh in, later on in the nineties. Yeah, Wait, we talked about is... Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was mm-hmm. supposed to get an X. Uh Cook the Thief and His Wife and His Lover was supposed to get an X. Yeah, because there was no in between. And I, I'm going to try watching Henry and June again because I have to, and it's my job. But you know, I can remember being a sad, masturbatory boy catching this free preview on Cinemax. I'm like, what is this shit? Like, You're just what? edging all night long trying to like... Is it, like I think I learned from that this film is not yet rated. I think they just have a problem with the sapphic variety of sexual situations because like, oh, there's, there is not much worthy of like... Uh, clutching your pearls for and fucking Henry and June compared to or anything you'll see your- on streaming channels nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> clutching your pearl necklace, yes. Um, what does NC stand for? I can't no remember. children. No children oh. under 17. So like, I remember like uh, people, uh, I think movies still avoid the NC-17 rating because with not rated, my dad could still, we were going to go see Martin Lawrence's Stand, uh, you so crazy because my dad could bring me to that. But if it gets an ah. NC seventeen, you stick with it. A most cha- theater chains won't show it. Let's see how desperate they get <laughs> in the next few mm-hmm. months. Uh, but it also means like literally no children. You do not yeah. have. This is not a suggestion that a parent accompany you. No, no children allowed. So just buy an extra long trench coat. Yes. And jump on yep. top of your friend's shoulders and let's do this. Find three of your tallest <laughs> friends. <and laughs> head on into Henry and June and get ready to be bored. Um, <laughs> well, kids go crazy for the great taste of Henry Miller. They do. Oh, <laughs> oh man, are we, are we seeing Fred Ward's butt again? Does <laughs> <laughs> it for a certain type of person? It's, hell yeah, it's got dimples too. Uh, What's but, so funny is that R like literally means nothing now. Like I rent a lot of movies for this show mm-hmm. on uh, Redbox, like mm-hmm. the streaming platform of Redbox. It's pretty cheap. And it's always like, wait a minute, this is rated R. Are you 17? And then I just click yes. yes. They're like, cool. Here's all this violence and sex. Happy birthday. Here's everything. Oh, uh, no. They, they just start putting in a quiz of like, what's the first CD you bought? <laughs> if you answer, what's a CD? No, you're too young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That is a good plan. Yeah, but something you got at a bank, that's not the right CD, son. Take your ass back. Uh, yeah, it's so ridiculous. But um, yeah, we were a lot more squeamish back then. Still kind of are when it comes to sexually suggestive situations well, uh, in terms of American entertainment. Lady on lady, especially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, or and, but, peen. Or peen. No, no erect peen. 
I believe I said the medically correct term as we move into 1990 movies, September 25th through October 1st. Death Spa? We better have a lot to say on Death Spa. Brenda Bach and William Bumble. I have Death Spa. Is it I been- wish I had more to say about Death Spa. I have more to say about the, the other horror movie we're going to be talking about. But uh, Death Spa is it's what's on the label. It's about a, a fancy high-tech gym where the <laughs> machines like become haunted and kill people. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm on board for this, honestly. Oh, goodness. Somebody took advantage of a gym going out of business to make a banging ass horror movie good that's ingenuity right there i just imagine that that machine you stand on that just puts a band around you and jiggles you (laughs) jiggles you to death basically just cuts you in half just liquefies jesus in terms of violent cheese i'm 10 years old at this point and the trailers for dolph lundgren's i come in peace came out and it was one of the first things like 10 year olds we were laughing at this like i can't believe this exists I come in pieces. You go in pieces. Uh, Also known as Death Angel uh, throughout the land. I've heard it argued as Dolph Lundgren's best starring role. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. So we got we got some mail saying that we should not blaze past this one. No, I should actually watch it. So I did. And what the living crap? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Dolph Lundgren is a hard bitten cop, and he is. Wackily prepared with FBI agent Brian Benben, Dream On guy from Dream On, mm-hmm. and they are dealing with uh, an intergalactic drug dealer and an intergalactic cop who is hunting the intergalactic drug dealer. And the drug dealer is killing people with like a super flying CD that cuts everyone's throats. <laughs> and his goal is to steal a bunch of heroin, shoot people up with heroin so they have a bunch of like happy endorphins in their brains and then suck those out so he can go sell them in space. Wow, a real simple Rick situation. I like that. It's like, what? why does he have to steal heroin? Why couldn't it just be like, he wants human blood? Ah. It is really goofy. It kind of sometimes reminded me of The Hidden with Kyle MacLachlan, oh, which I think is so a, a superior cops alien movie from <laughs> around this time. It's so good. It's so, so dumb. This was just... And I wish it, it needed a lot more action, honestly, to be like fun bad. It, it was so just it, it, it's since been reappraised so and it's gotten a Scream Factory release from Shout Factory and uh, has it in a retrospective that you can find also on YouTube. Did I say you can find this whole movie on YouTube uh, either <laughs> under I Come in Peace or Death Angel? I think it's 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 wonderful. If you can ever watch movies with your friends while drunk and high again, this would be one to do that with. And an interesting story of like screenwriter David Kep. Uh, he writes this next year, Toy Soldiers, an excellent yet silly film about mm. uh, uh, what board, boarding school students taking over their school from terrorists yeah. into Death Becomes Her with Robert Zemeckis the next year and then into Jurassic Park. So (laughs) two movies in two movies, the screenwriter of I Come in Peace will be writing Jurassic Park uh, as well as Spider-Man Panic Room. Jesus Christ. Like his pedigree is insane at this point. That is a real ascension. Yes, it really is. I really took the steps, he, you know. He writes most of Spielberg's scripts. Uh, Trigger Effect, that's a lovely film. Carlito's Way, that's it's pretty Damn. ridiculous. Uh, and I you know, Jones King crawled so that Carlito's Way. Can fly. <laughs> wow, it's amazing you brought up Carlito's Way because the next movie reminds me of Carlito's Way a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And that would be uh, King of New York. I know I have a lot of friends who love this. Uh, Wesley Snipes, David Caruso, Lawrence Fishburne, and Christopher Walken. King of New York. Frank White is a free man. How come you never came to see me? We wanted to see you in a cage, man. He served his time. What can we expect from the reformed Frank White? I want to be mayor. But some things don't change. From here on, nothing goes down unless I'm involved. King of New York. Expected to get away with killing all these people. I never killed anybody that didn't deserve it. Rated off. <laughs> you walking it up really good. Oh, also I forgot to put in there uh, Jean Carlo Esposito yeah. and Steve Buscemi. It all is kinds of people in this. Yeah, when we were so Sam and I watched a little bit of the beginning of this because it's on Prime mm-hmm. if you're interested. Yeah. And the credits that came up, it's like everyone that came up I was like, holy crap, everyone's in this movie. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, directed by Abel Ferrara, who was deemed by Conan O'Brien as the worst talk show guest he's ever had. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Won't be the first time bringing up Conan in this segment. Uh, This was available as a low-price DVD very early on, and this made it into the collection of a ton of people I know. And Mm -hmm. so I think... It's very strange. I think a lot more people have seen this than the ten, like than the five years afterwards. Um, I know a ton of people who love King of New York. I don't love it, but it's a perfectly yeah. fun watch. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I mean, it sort of explained what it was about there. You know, Christopher Walken is a gangster. He gets out of prison, and he's rebuilding his empire. And mm-hmm. there's also, you know, cops are after him, and other mobs are after him. And sometimes it gets sort of that Carlitos Way juice of just like everyone is after this guy, but it's not quite the franticness. It's just like there's he's juggling a lot of things. But he's Christopher Walken. It's very tense. Like, you know, a lot, most of what I saw was like, ooh, I feel like something's about to happen. Like, some overt violence is going to happen at any moment. It's a no Mm -hmm. fucking around tough guy uh, gangster movie. And and there's a time and a place for that, for real. Like, that, like, it's, it's not redefining anything like Goodfellas would, but it's, it's, it's hard boiled and neat and, and totally worth watching if you're into that, into that genre. Look what I'm saying. You want to know a genre I'm just not into at all? Peter Bogdanovich, (laughs) a man I find personally and professionally fascinating. I listen to the entire Turner Classic Movie Podcast, Diana, if you, I don't even remember what that's called. It's Mm -hmm. Ben Mankiewicz going through Peter Bogdanovich's career, a white hot, like like the Tarantino of his age, of like, Mm. what, the late 60s, a guy who loved old film and was basically becoming famous by making an homage to old film becoming yeah. best friends with old actors like Orson Welles and was uh, the talk of the toast of the town for quite a while and then sort of fell from grace pretty publicly and had trouble making movies. And this, his breakout movie was a movie called The Last Picture Show, which, you know, I, I watched on my own personal film education and like, eh, I don't get this. I think this was resonant with people of the, you know, kids of the time, but made stars out of a ton of people like Jeff Bridges and Sybil Shepard. And this is the sequel, <laughs> like 30 years after the fact, and nobody gave a shit. This is mentioned in like Ooh. one sentence on a multi-part podcast talking about Peter Bogdanovich's whole career. Hmm. Like, And I, I tried watching this like 10 years ago, and i like, this is unbearable. <laughs> this is, it's so freaking bizarre. Yeah. Also, if, if you like the, the podcast about Bogdanovich, the yes. Polly Platt Bogdanovich on You Must Remember This, following... 
his wife and then finding out, oh, she did. She deserved way more yeah. credit than she was. Given. His wife, script supervisor, production designer, like editor, yeah. like basically the the reason his films were great. <laughs> yeah. I was like, when she's gone, it's not quite it. Yeah. And uh, so uh, she worked on did really well. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, now here's the weirdest thing that I did not know about this. So Texasville, the, the sequel to Last Picture Show comes out in 1990, but the last picture show was not available on VHS at this right. time. Right. Sure. It, it, uh, because not... music rights, it was tied yep. up. It was going to be expensive. So you have this movie that has this amazing reputation. I think it is a really well-made and really interesting movie mm-hmm. with a lot of great performances and great characters. But why am I going to see the sequel to a movie that I only heard about? Right. I can't fucking watch. Why would the studio spend the money to make the sequel without getting the original out? Yep. And, and like, seriously, this is 1990. Where would you see this? You would have to see it at a revival house. It would have to run on cable. And guess what? It was a black and white film from 1971. It was not. It's astonishing that this even got made in the first place. And it, it just, and I don't know, tonally, it's very strange as well. It's and, way lighter than yeah. Last Picture Show, which is about, yeah, this town is sort of dying and, you know, teenage love and discovering yourself and trying to get out of town and what are you going to make of yourself? And I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background. And then this one is, a, I didn't even get around to finishing it. I'll be honest. No, I could, it's just, I, I it's hate a little it. bit. It's just lighter. It's just sort of wackier and like, Oh, and I find oh no, this... you got a crush on your ex-girlfriend. What's your wife going to say? Well, she's Annie Potts, so she's going to say something pretty biting and Southern. So te- <laughs> technically, the star of the first film is Timothy Bottoms, who I only knew as George W. Bush on Trey Parker <laughs> and Matt Stone's That's My Bush. He, he played the president in their fake presidential sitcom. And in this movie, he's like, the, the star of the first movie is relegated to kind of a side character <laughs> just yeah. because Jeff Bridges and Sybil Shepard have become much more recognizable as has, uh, was Randy Quaid the first one? I can't remember. Yes, he uh, was. I believe so. Yeah. Yes, he was. But here's a, a trailer for Texasville. I'm sure it won't do anything for you. Dwayne's a millionaire oil man. Carla is a beautiful wife. And guess who just came back to town? Don't I know you from somewhere? Jeff Bridges. JC, I'm Dwayne Jackson. We went together in high school for a while. Sybil Shepard. Did I have you madly in love? Madly. Cloris Leachman. You're scared to fall in love with her again, aren't you? I don't know why we're even talking about this. Annie Potts. Just because I go looking for trouble doesn't mean I want any husband but you. William McNamara. All right, all right. Yeah, I, I, I don't recommend this. It, it's a fascinating footnote in, like, an indie darling having to return. It happens a lot with indie uh, darlings, they end up returning to their source material 20 years after the fact. Could be a laser time topic in there. I don't know. I'll have to run it by Diana. This is crazy. The next movie is crazy because it's number one at the box office, and I have never fucking heard of it. Oh. Oh, yeah. I, I hadn't either, but Sam is a fan, and so we sat down and watched it, and yeah. Sam it's is great. a fan. And I'm like, what is this fucking movie? I'm like, oh, this made quite a bit of money. <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck? How yeah. have I never heard of this film? Yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting idea, and you can hear in the ad who this is aimed at, mm. and it's kind of funny. Um, who we got? Uh, Carl Lumley, Mako, uh, Laurie Metcalf, Michael Keaton, Matthew Modine, and Melanie Griffith in Pacific Heights. 
Number one. If he's going to get caught, we'll catch him. He destroyed our property. If he's in, he's got rights. What are you doing, Drake? He shot my boyfriend. And you're telling me to forget about him? What are you doing? Something's going to make us feel really good. It could happen to anyone. It could happen to you. Mr. Hay, is that you? What am I going to do with you, Pat? Pacific Heights, rated R. <laughs> I don't know what this is. At it's all. a real estate thriller. Yes, oh, great. It, it is. Wow, set in the one and only San Francisco, where, yeah, it's probably worth murdering somebody over a piece of property there. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I mean, this, oh my God, this setup. I'm just, I'm trying to look at this objectively, not as someone who's lived in San Francisco for 25 years. And uh, it's hard. Because mm-hmm. it's about Melanie Griffith and Matthew Modine by this gigantic, beautiful Victorian. <laughs> and then they rent out an apartment to Michael Keaton, who turns out to be crazy. Oh. And there's lots of, like, going to the cops and be like, oh, you threatened us. And like, well, sorry, tenants got rights. Yes. Why is the system <laughs> doing this to us? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when Sam, so I, I might have overstated when I said Sam was a fan. This was one of those movies that Sam was like, oh, damn, I saw this a bunch when I was a kid, like on HBO or whatever. We should watch this. And he knew all about it. And so we did sit down to watch it. And I would say, yes, I think as a thriller, it's very fun and an interesting thing that I had never seen before, like a, a different type of setting and a different type of like way to go about, you know, the mechanisms of a thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it was also very difficult, especially right this second to be like landlord rights, you know, like, <laughs> uh, and like to have like, you know, a lawyer, even though I love her played by Melanie Metcalf or <laughs> Lori Metcalf mm-hmm. say like, well, you know, Tenants have so many rights in this city because of the system, you know? It's kind of like, okay, so they can just terrorize you and not pay rent? Is that what we're saying the system has set up? I don't think so, lady. Won't somebody think of the landlords? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, this movie does not take place in Pacific Heights. I know. That's what I read. Not even fucking close. It, It takes place across town in Potrero Hill because Potrero Hill has the cool views to downtown. Pacific Heights is obviously a better title, but Pacific Heights is an even fancier. It's like one of the fanciest parts of town. Yeah. And they like have a beautiful sprawling view of the bay and Alcatraz and the bridge and shit there. So I'm not sure why you wouldn't just actually film there. Yeah. I hate these people. I hate the characters I'm supposed to care about because oh, let's I'm just hate. like, oh, boo fucking who? You bought this ginormous mansion, which they end well. up selling for a profit at the end. The whole fucking thing cost, you know, $800,000 or something. That's that's a five and a half million dollar property right now. What's to hate about this couple buying this a property who, by the way, their jobs are he is a kite maker and she is a <laughs> retired horseback rider equestrian oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have, mean, having when, spent so long like, living in san francisco i am very critical of everyone's career who lives in a place there i was yeah. having fun watching this like oh it's a cool thriller and then it shows him at work which is a literally a kite factory like Making kites you fly in the air. Yeah. This is what I'm saying, people. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. crazy. But I will go back and say that as a thriller, it is a very fun thriller. If you can, like, divorce yourself from those feelings and just take it for, like, a fun early 90s, like, 
you don't know what's going to happen next. There's a lot of the acting's great. I mean, I love Matthew Modine and Michael Keaton and Melanie Griffith is doing a great job here too. Yeah, um, I, I mean, some of the the basics of the thrillerness, like there's there's a certain amount of like identity theft going on. Like, okay, you can do some thriller stuff with that. And we've had neighbors from hell movies. We've seen roommates from hell movies. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I understand the the proximity of a terrifying person is fine, but. I don't know why they they lean so hard into these poor. Oh, why won't the cops do something (laughs) by their evil tenant? He's making noise in there. Noise. I also want (laughs) it's streaming on Prime if you are interested in watching it. And there is a very cute cat who at (laughs) times is in peril. But I just want to say ends up fine. Oh, my God. Okay, I thought you were selling on like. You the know, cat's okay. Just thought you were selling like 90 minutes on a cute cat. Like, no, 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 no. no. I just like watching it. I was like, fuck, that cat is going to get like hurt in some Not way. And I'm going to have to hate this movie, but the cat ends up okay, y'all. Okay. Fantastic. Spoiler alert. <sighs> and yes, it's streaming on Amazon Prim and uh, moving into television, which I really want to do. Uh, oh my God. There is so much. It, oh, wow. Have, oh my God. Have I got news for you, which I'm not going to say in British accent, but like that's the name of a show in the UK that debuts this week. Uh, And it is still running. Yeah. Now, is this a quiz show? Yes. Of course it is. It's basically, (laughs) wait, wait, don't tell me. You know, it's a Uh, a quiz show that's got, you know, comedians and stuff. It's fun. I love it. And uh, the TV movie this week, Perry Mason, The Case of the Defiant Daughter. Raymond Burr returns to be Perry Mace Mace. But we also have some the two Bobs, Culp and Vaughn, bringing up the yeah. rear and Barbara. Hale. It could be either one of them, honestly. I yeah. could see either one of them being being the bad guy in the end. I mean, it's usually Robert Vaughn, so Robert Culp would be more of a surprise. But this is the second of these we've talked about this year. They were just they were on a roll. Yeah. Doing Ask your husband about TV this movies. shit, Sarah. Yeah. Like when I went through his fucking tape collection when I first met him when we were like thirteen years old, there is a ton of Perry Mason in his house. So he, he might have seen this as well. Unsurprising. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's his parents. <laughs> um, and this is—it's very rare that like somebody, Sarah or Diane, in the notes, like, ne- and now onto the important shit. And I could not agree more. <laughs> That's and, all, die, and, and I could not agree more. Yeah, uh, do hit you want, the link. Do you want me to open? All right. Start the link, man. <laughs> That's right, midges. Dearest, Dearest brother. Dearest podcast listener, <laughs> I liked, but I didn't subscribe. Nor did I tell a friend. Like, <laughs> it's. <laughs> Did you know if you don't listen to your podcast when you download them, Apple will delete your subscription. You've got to remember, if you're not a patron, keep on. All right, all right, but no. <laughs> enough. We'll be back in the day. We oh, it was the uh, when Civ Five came out doing a Civil War report, Gandhi <laughs> versus the Emperor diarrhea. Um, but because this 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 documentary was so popular, it not only made yeah, I'll say a semi-household name at Ken Burns, it yeah. did popularize mm-hmm. what I just did as mm-hmm. a parody. Yes. 1,000%. No matter oh, yeah. what you say about Ken Burns' The Civil War series on PBS, which runs through this week, it's nine episodes, 11 and wow. a half hours total. It runs five nights, and it is huge. That is restraint yeah. compared to Ken Burns nowadays. I tried to buy my yeah. dad that jazz documentary. Holy oh, fuck. Luck. We needed a new shelf like just to hold all the goddamn What, are you trying to kill your dad? <laughs> like, Yeah, murder him with jazz. I want him to get sick of it so I don't have to hear about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
So 39 million people watched wow. at least part of it. That is shocking. Averaging 14 million viewers an episode. The most watched program to ever air on public broadcasting. That's super surprising, especially considering how many people today have no idea what the Civil War was about. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to blame. We have found. Stay tracked. Some of that I am going to actually blame on this miniseries because mm -hmm. part of the problem is there aren't a lot of historians in there there are a lot of writers oh and what? uh but they they soft pedal slavery Ugh. is pretty much the the number one complaint that real historians have about the civil war that they don't really spend that much time on you know the lives of slaves what slavery had done to the country and really mm -hmm. focus on the military aspect and for that it's really interesting you know but like how did these battles go and all that but they they really kind of glide over the idea that this was about slavery. Mm -hmm. It was about owning other human beings as property and whether yeah. or not that's a good thing to do. I mean, yeah. come on. Make it more about like, it's a disagreement about the future of the nation or it's about states' rights. It's like, it's the states' rights to do what? That's weird. I was, yeah, I was, finish the sentence. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to track the history of Ken Burns and, and he made a few documentaries some that were nominated for an Oscars, most of which aired on PBS. And he just mm -hmm. recently, because of what's been going on in our zeitgeist, uh, re-aired a clip, I think, of James Baldwin talking about his documentary about the Statue of Liberty and just, like, mm -hmm. concretely saying, like, statues are the myths that we tell ourselves. Th that he made that doc in 85. So, like, why wouldn't mm -hmm. he address this, something like that here? I don't know. I, I, I did like seeing Ken Burns recently weigh in on Confederate yeah. statues because he, for most, some people he's synonymous with the Civil War. I didn't watch sure. his baseball documentary. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, if you, if you want a, a better documentary in, of this type, uh, there's a, a series on Reconstruction uh, mm -hmm. by Henry Louis Gates that is really good. That's, mm -hmm. that's the part that we never talk about, and that's mm -hmm. where all of our shit got fucked up. It's mm -hmm. not just the Civil War. Mm -hmm. It's the failure of Reconstruction, uh, why we still have Black Lives Matter as an issue right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think the important thing is the style of documentary mm has -hmm. <laughs> become its own style. I have a setting on my phone with my photo app of like, oh, you, you want to see a slideshow? You want a Ken Burns style? <laughs> <laughs> to just have things glide by with slow pans oh my gosh. into each other. Because the Civil War, there were photos, but not a fucking lot of them. And so you got to make them last while you have voiceover of like people's diaries and letters and, you know, first person accounts and stuff. Oh, man. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, like basically the... I think the year of history was American history as opposed to like world history or, or Florida history or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so we spent so much time on the civil war and I'm pretty sure we watched a bunch of this we, probably oh, yeah. in class, especially when yep. I had a very young teacher. So I imagine she was hung over a lot. So like, yeah, <laughs> we watched so much of this. And then I remember like one of our year end assignments was to basically like produce a PowerPoint presentation that was had to be like multimedia. And I'm pretty sure she was based. It was like based on like, yeah, make it like it has to have music. So make it like Ken Burns a Civil War. But you're in seventh grade. So here's PowerPoint. Figure it out. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, the only thing that, that gets me mad because I love my PBS. My father is a diehard um, public television supporter. It's so hard to fucking yeah. see this shit. And we paid for it. Already, give yep. it to me. It's and it's it's always expensive. But uh, oh yeah. yeah, if you want to buy that box set, and I mean there was this was huge. There was a companion book and yeah. like 
all all the tourism went up at all these different battle sites. People just like mm-hmm. super got into the Civil War. A lot of them for the wrong fucking reasons. You know, sure. yeah, I because of like... the gallantry and the sacrifice. Uh, you know, after... they just like the accents and and gone with the wind. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I actually, I, there's uh, Smithsonian Magazine has a really good e- evaluation of this and talking about like we need a new version of the Civil War that actually spends more time on 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 the politics and mm-hmm. the specifics mm-hmm. and they're like a huge part of it is they think we think ken burns just fell in love with shelby foot mm. because shelby foot is this old southern gentleman who's a writer and he's just got this wonderful sonorous voice and when he talks about how oh pgt beauregard had to go fighting mm-hmm. and he didn't want to go fight but he had to fight, fight because he cared about his state i wasn't in the like, civil war but my dog that all day you're right i could just listen to this guy talk yeah i i think that's what every parrot a brother against brother cousin <laughs> against cousin uh yeah yeah like the I don't know, like a Civil War, it's a hugely important television uh, event. And we were one TV mm-hmm. household and I was livid. I, <laughs> I, I was livid. I remember this whole week just violining everywhere. Oh, <laughs> go upstairs and listen to the radio, I guess. I think it wasn't until years later I saw the season premiere of SNL this week, mm-hmm. hosted by Kyle McLaughlin, which he corrects in the monologue, yes, with yes. musical guest Sinead O'Connor. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin, it's important to say, was like only Twin Peaks. So like Twin Peaks is the monologue. Twin Peaks is the, are the sketches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, no, no, except not, for one. I remember is one. Is there a reference to Dune? Did I miss it? <laughs> no, but if it's not Scottish, it's, it's crap. crap. Yeah, it, yes. Is that the debut of that sketch? Holy shit. I believe it mm-hmm. is. Um, it's, it's also the debut of Chris Farley and Chris Rock. Uh, the two Chris's. Chris Farley playing uh, Leo in the Twin Peaks. The Twin yeah. Peaks sketch oh. is worth tracking down if you're a huge Twin Peaks fan, because I've seen this a thousand times, and it stretches very thin and is nine minutes, and it's all about how <laughs> Dale Cooper, uh, at the beginning of the sketch, somebody confesses to the murder of Laura Palmer, and he's like, well, we got a lot of other people to question. And like, <laughs> they get, and uh, they just keep bringing more. But if you know the show, the impressions that the cast members are doing should delight you. Conan O'Brien has a his first appearance on the show as a non-speaking cop holding Chris Farley playing Leo who has confessed to the murder um and I thought this was a funny clip because it really again I, I when I talk about Twin Peaks I cannot believe this at any point David Lynch was mainstream entertainment but the whole most <laughs> of the world shocking. seemed to get these references where I where I did not in 1990 so they're just a parade of people doing Twin Peaks character impressions uh, and again, Dale Cooper will not let go of this case, even though he has tons of evidence, confession letters, and videotape of the crime being committed. I think I'm going to head up too. Oh, not yet, Harry. We still haven't heard from the log lady. Cooper, you're not going to hear from the log lady. Why not? Well, because there's only two women left on Saturday Night Live. We've already used them both up. <laughs> <laughs> and just then, Jan Hooks runs in out of breath, holding a log and fastening a wig to her head. <laughs> Hello, I'm the log lady. Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, uh, because of Nora Dunn, right? This is that was because yeah. of Nora Dunn leaving because of Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, yeah. Did she leave the and whole so show. So this is Sinead O'Connor appearing. Yes, yes. Because this, she wouldn't appear with Andrew Dice Clay, but it's not that one. It's not that one. I uh, double checked, but yeah, yes, because that we would be playing that. But um, 
also Chris Rock's first major sketch is like kind of a big one Which because one he is basically giving it's a two live crew like sketch where he, they're giving Luther Campbell lyric suggestions, but there's like two white stodgy ex- record executives. <laughs> <laughs> what I want so is I want to hug that's and kind you. of a big one. <laughs> oh, that's which I, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find this again. It's no. frustrating. Like NBC will have like one clip from these episodes, and then you're just yeah. fucked. You're I couldn't w- find any of the good ones that I wanted to clip. To wade through Daily Motion and just I I am ecstatic. I watched almost an entire episode, a horrible, horribly encoded YouTube video. Yeah. Of the so we have. Oh. I just want to bookend this. Yeah. We have the Civil War, which is wins 80 jillion awards and changes <laughs> how we see TV documentaries. It creates a whole style of documentary that we're, we're used to seeing so much that you can parody them on, you know, community with pillows and blankets or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then we have the same week, the most notorious failure in television history. It, it, like, I, I can't do it any justice. You will think I'm no. lying to you that this is real and done in all earnestness. I, I Stephen Bochco of Hill Street Blues and another of other famous cop shows, I think someone approached him to, like, I want to do a Hill Street Blues Broadway thing. He's like, that seems silly. What would you do? And that, like, kind of got his brain moving. <laughs> and, you know, television's always looking for some, like, old style to bring back. And if you, previous episodes, Hull High was already a musical dramedy. That had <laughs> that came out this season failed miserably, but it it wasn't that uncommon a thing because we still you know Glee is a musical you know like we occasionally still get musicals that come on television. Are, we have live musicals that are fucking ratings driven mm-hmm. events now. So crazy like, ex girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> people so want to see musicals. So like, it, mm-hmm. but this especially with what we're talking about today, this is the weirdest format with with within two wedge. A high production Broadway style genre spanning musical, like in all seriousness, you will not believe yourself as a cops are like kicking these black guys in the nuts as they handcuff them and they, they're pushing their heads and like, hey, cops, stop doing it. And then it just full on rap, full on 1990 versions of rap. Like, it, is this really happening? They can't be doing this. Oh my God. They spent money on this. It looks expensive. It looks expensive. It is expensive. There's sets, there's costumes, there's casts of hundreds of people. There's all kinds of people. There's there's cinematography. There's cop rock, ladies and gentlemen. Cop rock. Cop there's rock. There's Randy Newman songs. Oh. He writes a lot of songs for this. Yes. Uh, yes, a lot of songs for this. I think we both went and got the exact same clip of... It is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, we did. Is it the uh, Let's Be Careful Out There song? Yes. And it's, yeah. it, it starts off so typically uh, police procedurally, and it just gets m- more jaw-droppingly, excruciatingly wonderful after that. Yeah. This is I real. Know, when they, they get all the cops together and start giving out the days of silence. Yeah, I'm going to brief him. You take this guy. And there's still a fla- literally a flasher <laughs> out there. I swear to God, we do not have the budget to make this up, this is a real clip from a real show. <laughs> Item last on the teletype, we still got the Franklin Avenue flasher. Struck at two outdoor weddings and a school picnic so far this month. Male cock, 6'3", look for <laughs> tattoos in unusual places. Okay, that's it. And hey, hey, let's be careful out there. Let's be careful out there. Oh, no. We had a one 
This is so unfucking believable. And that (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so unbelievable. And just it it's so much sweeter and weirder that we're in the middle of talking about like you know, how much license do we give the police and justice reform that there's this happy fucking musical going on from a Botchko, a guy like kind of a credit for a realistic account. <laughs> yeah. No, here, here's the thing that's baffling. I, I remembered this existing oh. and obviously this has been a punchline for 30 years, but oh. I'd never seen it before. Dude. So I was imagining, um, a lighter cop show, like a Brooklyn nine, nine, a yeah. Barney Miller. And then they sing and no. like, Oh, that makes sense. No, 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 no. This is the man who gave us NYPD blue. And this feels like a rough draft of NYPD blue half the time. And then they start fucking singing. There's like a Dennis Franz character. Hey, you didn't go out to McFinnigan's with the boys. Like, nah, I wanted to finish up some work at home. Well, don't work yourself too hard. I won't turn to sky. I saw like, whoa, oh my God. Is it, he's singing about how he wants to solve a case. This is oh, so yeah. unbelievable. The first episode ends with a cop shooting a man in cold blood and then like covering it up. It, dude, it, it's astonishing. executes a suspect and they're like, okay, join us next week. Da, 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 da. I, I don't know what genre the let's be careful out there was or what instrument that was, but the courtroom <laughs> sequence is a turns into a gospel number like a like a, a call and response gospel number from the black judge and the jury that turns into just gospel singers. This is astounding. The defendant arguing back. I want to make it clear I want to thank the jury This is so unfucking believable Like You can hear the Randy Newman right there Oh, of course This is so you have, This has to be seen to believe I, I hear there's a DVD set out I will go get I will find it at any cost to make Damn. to ensure further generations get to see this in better versions than I did cuz this this is just absolutely jaw dropping. Yeah. And, There's 11 episodes. It is an hour long show. Yeah. <laughs> so I that was, was really, the other thing I was not expecting. I was oh. expecting a half an hour show, something it, light, something silly. No. No, it has layers I was envisioning a cross between like Reno 911 and the hot cops from Arrested Development. No. No, it, it's yeah. it, there, there's something That there, would be fun. That's not this. No. We talked about how Law and Order, we, we, you know, Law and Order addresses the cops and then the trial aspect. And this is like the fucking wire. So you'll get to hear the DA <laughs> belt out of tune. It, it is crazy. It's the, it's, yeah. it's still one of the, I've heard of it. I've seen clips. It doesn't do it justice. How fucking insane this is. I showed it to my girlfriend and her, like, her eyes just got huge. Like, is this real? Like, this is not a sketch. This seems okay. like. A th- like something people would throw away to to explain the low point of their career, but <laughs> like in, in, in it, a better comedy. It feels comedy. like a, a Thirty Rock. Yes. TV yeah. show. Yeah. It, it feel, yes, it feels like an in in Thirty Rock show. <laughs> yeah. Something you'd throw to an Arrested Development, but I assure you, it's a fucking it's an uncut hour, and you can't look away. Yeah, <sighs> and I cannot emphasize enough how gritty. 
the cop stuff <laughs> is. They're beating suspects yeah. and they're like, you know, you get a confession no matter what yeah. it takes. And they're breaking all the they're doing so much illegal stuff. I was just sitting there like, well, I I hate these cops very much. The end of this I episode hate an, them. And then they start singing and you're like There's no song. It's just water torture on someone they're interrogating. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> yeah. Remember, the same show that just said he, so he's guilty. it's not totally unrealistic, though, uh, is what you're saying. But that, It's it, really just the singing part. Dude, it's breakneck. It is fucking crazy. It is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And especially, like, why would why would the person delivering us an authentic look at policing and, like, justice give us something like this? <laughs> why would he want them to sing? Why? Yeah, okay. like... Uh, an entire scene like- of dialogue could have gone here. <laughs> Anytime that we have a question of like, how could this have gotten made? Like who said yes to this? It's oh, the answer is always cocaine. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. just a late night at Nobu or something. Oh my know. God. <laughs> hard ass pivot into video games. Mega Man three. Is out. Yeah. I, I would say it's hard oh. to find whole episodes of cop yeah. rock out there, but you can find musical numbers on YouTube pretty fast. You ha- that you doesn't have- do it. Justice, yeah, you need you though. need to see like the the three minutes of utter seriousness that brings you into this, these musical numbers. It's just so shocking because like if they did firefighter rock, then that would be like okay, that yeah. maybe could work out actually because yeah. like your enemy is fire, not other human beings. Right. So like, <laughs> right. singing about you know you handle fire, fire as rough as you want. Way, yeah, fire has no rights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just it's it's <sighs> so wrong and so much more wrong than it was 30 years ago. It's fucking great. It's beautiful. It's my recommendation of the week. Cop rock. Yeah. Uh, I I it does I always thought, "Oh, that's funny." And now now I've uh, elevated it to like you need to see at least 5 minutes of yeah, this. Yeah, man. Like I this feel- this sh- this should not have gotten past storyboarding let alone been given the budget no, that it this did. shouldn't have gotten past one page treatment yeah this is- <laughs> i feel like the whole theme of 1990 this week is this has not aged well <laughs> <laughs> uh mega man 3 has it introduced the slide to mega man as well as one of my favorite characters snake man uh we'll talk more about that on patreon.com slash laser time with the video game apocalypse boys and uh, maybe chris baker again we'll see uh, I love Mega Man 3 so much. It's very much a high point of the series. It may just be out in Japan, but I thought I triple-checked and it might be out in America here as well. Uh, let's close out with looking at a little bit of music from 1990, September 25th through October 1st. We have new releases from Megadeth with Rust in Peace. Uh, All Shook Down, the final album by The Replacements for 22 whole years. Uh, mm-hmm. Family Style, the only studio album with uh, Jimmy and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, have You Seen Me Lately by Carly Simon. Uh, the self-titled debut of Super Chunk X by NXS uh, and In the Blood by London Beat. Uh, we will close out this segment with Can't Live Without Your Love and a Parenthetical Can't Live Without Your and Parenthetical Love and Affection by Nelson. By Nelson, Nelson. who are the twin sons of Ricky Nelson who have really long blonde hair and I have said before, this is why grunge happened. Yeah. It's all your fault, Nelson. <laughs> and Nelson is for horse girls. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That might be know? a joke directly from Beavis and Butthead, because that's how they, <laughs> they became on my radar as a punching bag. Anytime you see like someone with that beautiful long hair that is like a man, that's for horse girls. They just want to <laughs> like brush his mane and braid it. <laughs> and then do weird like horse sex stuff with them. And then give him a sugar cube and yeah. say pretty. Yeah. Oh, oh, Nelson. But let's close out with Love and Affection by Nelson. It's number one this week. And stay right there because 2000 is going to get even weirder. I can't live without.
Yes, shake your second segment. Thank you, Mystical. Uh, <laughs> welcome to <laughs> Show you what you're working with. <laughs> that, yeah, oh, no limit reigns. Uh, welcome to 2000, everybody. September 25th through October 1st. Coming in with Shake Your Ass by Mystical off of Let's Get Ready. Do not Google that trying to spell it correctly. Um, <laughs> welcome to 2000, everyone. We have other other music that came out this week. Enemy of the Music Business by Napalm Death. Uh, Light Years by Kylie Minogue. Aaron's Party, Come and Get It by Aaron Carter. Oh, uh, my God. So the, boy, uh, the boy bands now are spinning off into even younger boy acts. God. Stop it. We wouldn't have I Think I Can Beat Shaq or the Jimmy Neutron song without Aaron Carter. Uh, American Town by Five for Fighting. Now, that shit should be... Oh, the Superman song. Okay. So we're starting to... Spoiler alert, a year from now, we'll hear this a lot. Never stop. So yeah, we're starting to now like hear the songs that we are going to hear nonstop after a major American tragedy. I remember, especially because during that time, MTV and VH1 totally shut down their programming and like limited it to like 10 music videos mm-hmm. one of them was five for fighting superman or it's not easy being green or whatever that song is called <laughs> and also like everybody hurts was one of them which oh, i was like that's Jesus. a little on the nose i think but okay yeah so now we're starting all these songs that are coming out are like oh yeah we're gonna hear that a lot in about a year yeah. uh and we'll also hear more of black eyed peas which has bridging the gap out this week yeah this is pre-fergie black eyed peas mm-hmm. different so back when I, I saw them live twice, uh, the self-titled debut, debu- the self-titled debut of Good Charlotte and uh, Newfound Glory second, uh, the self-titled second album, Revelation by Ninety Degrees, and the self-titled debut of Shine uh, with a Y. Music by Madonna is still number one, and uh, a little bit of news to bring us into two thousand. Uh, hooray! It's the second Intifada. Uh, it's Yay. it's launched against uh, Israel after Prime Minister Ariel Sharon visits the Temple Mount. About 4,000 die before ceasefire in 2005. Mm. Yeah. Fucking Sharon. God damn. Oh, oh, you, uh, if I go to a specific place, I'm going to anger everyone, and then they're all going to start, like, throwing rocks and then shooting at stuff. And, oh, yeah, I guess I'll go do exactly that. Yeah. You can't tell me what to do. Where, yep. where was Sebastian? We need him. Ariel, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I just picture big potato looking Ariel Sharon just like, you're not my supervisor. Should I, should I go to the temple now? Definitely not. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry to uh, <laughs> a little the tragedy. Uh, th- and this is interesting. The first flash drives hit the market. And Whoa. I remember asking like, why can't they make the whole hard drive out of the flash drive? <laughs> it took them like fucking years to make like affordable solidate, solid date uh, drives forever. And I, I don't know. Flash drives are like one of the most convenient things I'd ever seen in my life. If you didn't have to grow up bringing a fucking two kilobyte 
paper in on a floppy disk that may mm-hmm. dissolve in your bag or <laughs> or melt yep. on your dashboard. Like uh, this was such a fucking godsend flash drive, yep. man. Oh, I forgot before we get even farther, Chris. Mm. We got probably our most amount of mail ever Ooh. about Miles Morales and how you got the timeline backwards. Oh, I did. You did. Miles Morales does not debut until August of 2011. Donald Glover helped inspire him, not vice versa. Mm. Oh, yes. Sorry. Well, that's... Yes. Okay. My bad. Yeah, because you said, what do you mean? Spider-Man's already black. No, he wasn't yet. But that helped... Right. That helped push that idea forward. See, they all gel with me. Because I was... Guess what? I watched that scene and didn't have any thoughts. (laughs) Like, I just... I I read about it in hindsight. Movies! Let's move into movies of 2000. September 25th uh, through o- October 1st, The Crimson Rivers with Jean Reno and Vincent Cassell. Mm. Yep. We get uh, two foreign movies I thought I'd knock off real fast. Uh, the Crimson Rivers is a French thriller that's actually pretty good, starring mm. two of my favorite French actors. Yay. Right. And uh, one of the most well-reviewed movies I think I'd seen in a while that I still have yeah. never seen, In the Mood for Love with Maggie Chung and uh, Tony Leung. So I finally, like, I, I'd been sleeping on this for a while. So I finally watched it. And yeah, if you're looking for, like, action and adventure, yeah, no. Um, but it's <laughs> ridiculously well-regarded film by Wong Kar Wai about this couple uh, who live, like, really packed in in 60s Hong Kong. Like, so many people are in an apartment. They're each just renting a room. And then their spouses start having an affair. And it's kind of like most movies would be about that. And this is about the people who are left behind while like the exciting shit is happening somewhere else. And like them, some of it is them trying to understand like, well, what is my husband seeing your wife? Like, tell me more about her. And it's also kind of dreamlike. And like, sometimes you get multiple versions of the same scene and you can Mm. decide which one you think really happened or maybe both or Mm. yeah, it's, it's, interesting i didn't love it as much as most critics loved it but i really liked it in the mood for love is definitely definitely good i tried really hard to find it because i've heard about it a ton over the years as well and i tried going through criterion and that wasn't working for me and then the canopy and so i finally requested it from my library but um yeah i'm pretty excited about it because it's romantic right oh yeah yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, yeah it's, in, it's in the cartoon. In a it's... very slow, dreamy kind yeah. of romance, but I believe it's on HBO. Okay. Yeah, mm. Criterion released it. Well, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. they have the rights to stream it, but uh, yeah, and uh, this is not a good week for Christopher movies. Uh, holy oh, shit. Uh, up next, Beautiful with Minnie Driver, Joey Lauren Adams, Kathleen Turner, and Kathleen Robertson. No offense to any of those actresses, but this has chick flicks written all over it with a title that says stay away those it's a, a little girly crucifix my way and like you you are not wanted and beautiful what is beautiful eh. so it's uh sally field's directorial debut huh mm. yeah <laughs> and it's about uh mini driver is like this boring woman from like a kind of fucked up background who's obsessed with miss america pageant and then she like has to Raise this little kid who's played by Haley Kate Eisenberg, whose brother is in a movie we'll be talking about later. What? Yeah, uh, the reviews were pretty brutal. No one really liked it. They said mm. that it was deeply inconsistent in tone and implausible and just sort of all over the place. Right. Which is a bummer because it's like, oh, you, 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 a little bit more tinkering and we're heading into Little Miss Sunshine territory mm-hmm. or Drop Dead Gorgeous territory. Both but, of which are great. No. Yeah. Not this one. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Haley Eisenberg. You're no longer the putting food on this family's table. We're going to get one of them other Eisenbergs out there. 
And whew, what do I like even less than uh, chick flicks or romantic comedies or foreign films? Even I, those are all fine. Fucking high school sports movies, man. Ugh, <laughs> just fucking hate them. Hate all of them. Black, black. Hate ins- inspirational coach movies. But uh, I am. I do not speak for America this week because number one at the box office: Hayden Panettiere, uh, Ethan Suplee, Ryan Gosling, uh, Wood Harris, Donald Faison, uh, Will Patton. And of course, Denzel Washington. And remember the Titans. From Walt Disney Pictures. You let these people know who's going to win state, right? Right. 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 The only film critics gave two thumbs up. Hey, no mountain. Filled with heart and soul. You did a good job up here. Academy Award winner Denzel Washington. We are team. Jerry Bruckheimer production. Remember the Titans. (laughs) It's a Disney subgenre we don't talk a lot about, but they have an entire section on Disney Plus of schmaltz like this and i i would never go near it i actually rewatched this to prepare for the show because i watched it when it came out and i remember really enjoying it because i've been pretty honest about how much i really love football Mm -hmm. grew up watching football i was a water girl for my like high school team like it's always been a huge part of my life and i loved it in high school and i it's again kind of like uh pacific heights that we talked about earlier like if you kind of divorce this movie from the stuff that hasn't aged well as far as <laughs> you know like unpaid oh, athletes uh, concussion trauma yeah uh race relations during that time period mm-hmm. it is like a really nice heartwarming like high school sports friendship movie and that i really enjoyed that aspect of it but then of course you can't watch things in a vacuum so like well the the race is part of it that's part of what's supposed to make this an inspiring story Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they've had to change a whole bunch of stuff to make it more inspiring Mm -hmm. because it's about like oh that this high school is finally integrated and so now this integrated team has to play against these like all white schools it's like no actually all those other teams were integrated too Mm mm-hmm Oh, kind of ruins things. <laughs> and it was like, well, and it'd be a big part of it is like, how are, how's this team going to get along? And, you know, Denzel Washington, a big part of the story is that the white coach who is at this all white school is being uh, usurped by Denzel Washington um, coming in as the head coach. And how are, how are the white players going to react to having a black coach and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, this is still a huge problem in, sports at every level like there's just not a lot of coaches that are non-white and it's it's a real representation is a real problem i yeah i have no idea i thought sports was a thing where like even racists like set that shit aside for a little bit unless unless somebody takes a knee then it's all back on again yeah (laughs) yeah you would think that i mean it's like the the ultimate in meritocracy you know whoever plays the best Mm -hmm. should have the job but no no it still it still doesn't work that way also reading up about like oh i mean it's based on a true story but other stuff that they fudged is like at the the end of it it's like they've got this big come from behind game for the championship and finding out the real championship was a 27 nothing blowout i would love to see that in a movie where instead of the, we we can do this, guys. We just pull together, and the, the, it's just like they're up by twenty at the and half, and like, they're like, "All right, everybody, we're all doing right, look, good. boys. <laughs> we got them crying, but they ain't quit yet. We got we, we need yeah. we want them oh, to forfeit. Start, yeah, they start sending in the fourth strings so they can get some playing time. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, guy next to the Gatorade. You want to go in as a cornerback? Come on, yeah, Bobby Boucher, you're going in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Denzel Black. Washington, though, as always, a joy to watch. Like every yeah. time yeah. he's on screen, he just pulls you in. And I mean, he pretty much saves us. This. this would be a TV movie oh. if it wasn't for Denzel Washington, honestly. Oh, good point. Yeah. Uh, and also, too, I know that I've been critical of child actors in the past, but Hayden Pantyliner has, oh. I don't mind her as an actress in general, but like they wrote this story for her to be the most annoying precocious child ever <laughs> it's like i dreaded when she came on screen she, you know like she, it, that was rough mm. and it's no knock on her as a child or as an adult actress it's just the way they wrote that character it was terrible 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 <sighs> but it does have a baby baby goose in it little baby ryan yeah. gosling mm. i know he's so baby so baby and and Ethan Soplee was so much bigger than I remember oh him being. Even yes. in American History X, where he is a really big guy. I saw him in the trailer. I thought it was that fat dude from Varsity Blues. Um, yeah. Not just Ethan Soplee. <laughs> no, he's a big, big, big guy. Anyway. All right. Uh, moving to television of 2000. Big, big week, uh, if you're me. Uh, a History of uh, Britain with Simone... Shama? Shama? Simon Shama. Simon Shama. Simon Shama. Sorry, my love, cursor was over I had there. to throw this in here. A History of Britain is a really good documentary series. It runs like 15 episodes total. They used to run it on BBC America just all the time because it eats up so much space. And Simon Shama is like, he's just this oddly twitchy, mm. but very British guy at the same time. And also he could get very sarcastic. And just, it's it's a really good kind of basic overview of about a thousand years worth of British history mm. in very understandable sort of way. Like it covers a lot of, like the Wars of the Roses are so fucking complicated, covers it in a really interesting, entertaining way. And um, a lot of mm. it used to sort of that Civil War look that we've talked about. With, well, we've got a lot of paintings we can pan over. <laughs> and uh, a show I was told I'd like, but I did not. Black Books debuts in the UK this week. Yeah, um, yeah. well enough. It's I, very enjoyable. It, it, I remember I didn't see it till it debuted on Comedy Central. Like that's something I don't know. You don't just don't see anymore. You don't see like larger basic cable units. Like yeah, we're just going to take this British import. Fuck mm -hmm. you, Hulu. But it's it was, um. I watched it. I think when it was on Netflix. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if it's still on there. But I mean, the basic story is a it's a bookseller, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and very crotchety one. But he's yeah. like he's like a record store bookseller. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yeah. yes. Which is a hundred percent up my alley. So true. I was yep. into it. It's a lot of fun, except that creator, uh, Graham Linehan sucks. Yes. Oh. I heard like, I, I knew there was something like, Oh, not great about this now that we know, but yeah, that's right. Thank you for jogging my memory. I yep. can't fully endorse it for that reason. Yeah. And it's a bummer because I mean, well, he created this and he created father Ted and those are both written great and tons of fun, but, uh, yeah, he hates trans people and it's a jerk. So, why are why are so many British people picking that hill to die on? I don't know. There's other things that you could do. Oh, anyway. I don't care. Ugh. I don't care. I don't like to think about other people's genitalia. Why would I volunteer to think about it more? Right. Uh, unbelievable. Eddie McGee wins the first season of Big Brother. Is that in America or England? America. America. I know the English version is like way more popular than it is over yeah. here. Does yep. anyone know how you win Big Brother? I think like, if you're the last person to take your hand off the car, you win it. I've never watched <laughs> this stupid show. Uh, gotcha. I've, I've never I'm just curious. Show. Like I've actually, I've you know, I watch a ton of reality TV, but I have never seen Big Brother, and I've never really even looked into like the concept I, of it. I like, swear to win? Christ, when Omarosa was calling out the president on Big Brother after she left the White House, 
I learned, oh, she was voted off that too. <laughs> okay. Uh, mm. I believe you're voted off survivor style. Right. By America or by your I housemates? didn't say I knew that, Sarah. Oh, okay. I, no I knew that my hairstylist is super into Big Brother and it has really exploded into a thing where like you can watch live streams of the basically 20, like eight I, hours a day. That was like mm. by the second season, I think they were doing that. Like uh, That's crazy. Yep. It, it, and, and if you think about it, even if it's not the most popular show, it can foster a very devoted kind of fan. Sure. It creeps me the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Big Brother, first season, Survivor. Uh, here, this is my problem with reality shows in a nutshell. Fear debuts on MTV, mm-hmm. which was a Does show. Do remember this? I do. No. I, 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 I do watched too. a ton of it. Um, yeah, that they they would essentially like, for example, grab like six kids, give them walkie talkies, blindfold them, and stick them in different rooms inside like an abandoned jail at night, and they would have cameras placed not only placed everywhere, but like in a pre GoPro world, they clearly had one like jettisoning off their chest and into their face. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the first time I feel like I really saw that like style of like the camera is mounted on the person, like on their face. And you yeah. see them as they're like, <laughs> like running so, through the wall, like the halls yeah. and stuff. But, yeah. So the, the constant Blair Witch Project shot. Yes. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. But a little, a little more GoPro. Think, uh, right. think Ricky Bobby thinking he's on fire in the beginning of Talladega Nights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, kind of, kind of like that. And it's just, and I watched like, wow, this is crazy. And then I like, something like snapped and like nothing ever happened on this show they were never in danger the producers set up sounds and shit to make things scary but there was i wasted two seasons watching nothing (laughs) watching nothing and how many ghost hunter shows are there now right i'd be much happier watching ghost hunters but it was never anything like that they weren't really i think they were they were playing a game but they weren't really out solving a real mystery well, oh. one of my favorite things that comes around every Halloween time is this post where it shows like people going through a haunted house and like when something scares them and then they yes. take a picture and it's like completely lit so you can see like their faces and their poses while they're scared. Well, they're, like, I would love to see this show fear, but with like all the lighting. So you could just see people like <laughs> running through hallways, but like super bright lighting and see what that would look like. A lot of night vision. I know it led to an Andy Dick show sketch that I liked. Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, speaking of stuff I liked on MTV, mm-hmm. uh, 20 years ago this week. Uh, yeah. I'm Chris Antisa. This is 302010. Yeah. Corona <laughs> by the Minutemen. If you don't know what song that is, uh, the show Jackass inauspiciously debuts on MTV. I remember promoted heavily during the uh, Video Music Awards. And I'm like, this looks great because it looks like the things I already like, which at the time were watching underground skate videos with my friends. Uh Uh-huh. And I didn't know in an internetless world that the first episode of the show is like 4% new footage and the rest of it is... Bam Margera, CKY2K, and the rest of it is Big Brother videos that I, w- I had a lot harder time seeing because those were mm-hmm. always scooped up really, really fast. I thoroughly recommend, by the way, the Hulu documentary Dumb that is it basically will tell you the story of half of Jackass before Jackass, a little skate magazine of rapscallions that essentially their videotapes Essentially, their, their videotapes overshadowed their skate magazine, and eventually 
throwing shit on things and doing stunts with fire and hurting themselves overshadowed <laughs> skateboarding tricks. And uh, Jeff Tremaine, the editor of Big Brother, gets together with Spike Jones, the director of movies like her, his old high school friend, and they pitched, I think, a bidding war happened between Comedy Central and uh, MTV. MTV won out. It's probably the mm. better place for it, given MTV's yeah. nature at the time. And I, I just looking through the history of this, like this is one year and change of being on the air and a legacy that like I they were filming stuff for the fourth movie before the pandemic. Mm. I, I, yeah. I, I it was I, one of those things where, like, I love you guys. This makes me very happy. Please don't do this. Please don't make this, don't make any more stuff. You're going to hurt yourself seriously. I, I am so surprised that it lasted so short a time. It was, it, it, it's it, by the, you know, very beginning of 2002. That, mm-hmm. That's it. Because, I mean, not, it just seems like it lasted forever, but really. They I never think stopped the, showing it. I think it's the impact it had on MTV. Yeah. Because this yes. is the point where MTV really starts They've already moved a lot away from music videos a lot, mm-hmm. but they really start moving into shows more like this, like fear. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, things that are about uh, either. Well, drunk, drunk people fucking is one kind of show. And then uh, people no, screaming, oh, oh, <laughs> drunk and, people and, screaming is and, the other kind of show. And from my upbringing, you can ask your husband, Sarah, uh, young men who are not getting laid, but somehow have a video camera eventually always becomes jackass shopping carts and hedges and bad sketches and like making uh pretending something is happening pretending you're getting your ass kicked in public and then laughing at all the normies who bought it Mm -hmm. we were almost everyone i knew was doing this and like just making a whole show out of it was absolutely striking it was also a place to hear really good music on mtv which didn't really happen Mm -hmm. and uh it was an immediate controversy. I think somebody involved with the production said there isn't a single week where we didn't have to go back and edit something out of an episode. Mm. Everything was constantly being edited. Uh, there was controversies around copycats. Joe Lieberman took uh, took aim at this <laughs> directly and got and I believe got MTV to not air Jackass after until after ten o'clock anymore, as if it were a rated R movie with a ton of violence. Um, I think it seems a little silly. I sort of get it. It's It became, I think, one of the highest rated things on MTV, period. And you think it lasted longer than three seasons, uh, like not even two years, uh, 20, 24 episodes, because they didn't stop airing it for about 10 years, not unlike Chappelle's show. Mm-hmm. It, they, they aired it forever and still probably do. Well, it's, and it it there were so many spinoffs too, right? Yes, I mean, right. so I think yes. that also kind of made it feel like, what am I watching? These are all the same guys. Got to be jackass, like, you know? It's it's kind of like eh, it's in the jackass. All, family. all of those yeah. spinoffs lasted long, or it's Doctor Steve-O. or Wild Boys. All of those, Boys. all of those shows outlived Jackass by a long shot. Mm-hmm. However, they made three and a half movies. I'm calling bad, bad Grandpa their half movies. They actually do have fucking hat. And a half movie, so I should clarify. Mm-hmm. They have four <laughs> movies that have made non-adjusted over half a billion dollars at the box office. Oh my god! And I and they cost one beat up truck, three skateboards, yeah. and uh, well, I guess the medical a, insurance, a used jet ski, yeah. and uh, like uh, I believe the highest budget was for the 3D one using the experimental Phantom 3D camera, and that was a twenty million dollar budget. Oh my god! Pales in comparison to budgets of today's films, but I. Love Jackass. It was a beacon for controversy. You know, not there has it. Jackass has not been without a tra- share of tragedies, but most people seem to be on the mend who are still alive. 
Mm-hmm. I love this show. And I remember I worked at the Chinese restaurant I used to work at. They'd, hey, can we borrow some movies knowing I collected movies? And I could pretty... I liked how I could pretty easily like hand them Mr. Bean or Jackass. Like it just it just translates. It's the same vein. Yeah, and it had Mandarin mm-hmm. subtitles for some reason. I don't nice. I don't know why they bother because most movies don't. But uh, yeah, like it, Jackass, there's something about it. And, but compared to the movies, try watching the first episode. It is so low rent. Ah, that's a guy being pulled on a boogie board from a four wheeler. That is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. That's the problem. That's the problem is that you have to keep escalating. You just can't, you know, and and that is the wall you eventually run into. Like, Mm -hmm. what more can you do? And, you know, Jackass is not necessarily, I wouldn't say it's a show for me, but you have Mm -hmm. forced me to watch many episodes and movies and I laugh very frequently (laughs) during Mm -hmm. this. So I mean I can't say that I hate it or I don't like it. Yeah, it's, it's I same, just it doesn't feel like a show for me, but I always do get some enjoyment out of it. Same people yeah. who say they hate America's Funny Home videos shit will exactly. share oh, all the fucking that, cat yeah. videos and videos it, of their kids singing all day long. Like you don't hate this, you just know it's lowbrow. Right. And, yeah. And I feel like in a way, like it's almost still on the air because ridiculousness. Yeah. Right. Is basically this plus America's Tri- Funniest Home videos. It's just more, yeah, people being idiots and wiping out on things. Mm-hmm. I saw a video of Steve-O talking about how much they were being, how much the people of MTV's highest rated show were being paid to do this stuff. And mm-hmm. all of them were still in poverty at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that, if you have not seen Chris Pontius's episode of Cribs, he is living in his truck. He, yeah. He's <laughs> he's living in his truck. Maybe he had a choice. I don't know. That's He's a weird guy. Yeah. I feel like that. that's like my number one complaint. Well, I mean, I don't like how these guys are so obnoxious when they're mm-hmm. not doing something completely ridiculous. Like, they're just so obnoxious and it's annoying. But, like, worrying about people getting exploited. Like, I'm pretty convinced that Steve-O has a disability. Uh, you think so? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think he might have a disability. Something had to be have been broken, but he's a pretty decent youtuber or monologist at this point he's a stand-up yeah or maybe stories. maybe it's just a combination of whatever disability he might have and substance abuse at the time because i yeah. haven't really seen him since and i know he got cleaned up so well they did a whole documentary about him getting cleaned up right it's great i, yeah. like I remember yes. watching it, yeah, it's it was an mtv really true life thing it's it's really horrifying because he was he it was is. he's trying to film his intervention and you can see yep. how mad everybody is at him mm-hmm. and trying to take his camera away rough and i know we actually haven't really talked about the show intervention very much on this show but <laughs> that that was uh that whole documentary about steve-o like getting intervened on and hopefully you know getting clean and you know i know that's oh, no, a day-to-day he, process but that was extremely enlightening i own his dvd no. too okay. hot for television and that's got a bunch of like really weird shit that would like get anybody can like you just filmed yourself fucking a girl and then threw the condom on your executive producer's oh laptop. god like mm. holy shit <laughs> oh my god well now we're just talking about that uh joaquin phoenix movie that we talked about a couple weeks ago but, uh, <laughs> that's basically what that was but i i thought it was a beautiful thing at the time it's st- I, I still find it incredibly silly because like yeah. that is sort of how i grew up I, I mean as much as i'm complaining about like people getting exploited and how you know braying what a bunch of braying jackasses they are appropriate to the title let, let me be a, a, a total snob about this the buster keaton-ness of it yes. all. oh my <laughs> jo- johnny knoxville is in the new buster keaton documentary talking about how inspired he, he was by uh, by buster keaton the the opening of jackass 2 is a buster keaton bit that uh that he he decided to do as an homage mm-hmm. 
but I'm into that. So I, I mean, that's why Buster Keaton, it might not be funny, but it has the same jackass quality. Like, holy shit, he's going to get yeah. killed. And yeah, there's most, most Buster Keaton movies. Uh, God, what was it? Steamboat Bill Jr. Yeah. That's the one I always point to where it's like, well, the movie's pretty funny, but by the time you get to the end, you're going to spend the whole time just going, oh my God, oh my God, he is going to die. Yeah. <laughs> And if you want to look up a bad Buster Keaton, it's Harold Lloyd who lost most of his fingers because oh, he didn't and time still his, did it though. And still did, he did it. Still did. Didn't time his stunts as well. But uh, yeah. but there's something I love calling them stuntmen because the show's funny because they are not stuntmen at all. It is just regular people getting hurt and then giggling about it. And I don't know. There's something I think real sweet about if you follow the show from its beginning to its end, the credit sequence of the last movie is all pictures, all their baby pictures and shit, showing Aww. them how they've age throughout the last 15 years of doing the show. A lot of people have ended up on a lot of drugs, mm. gotten clean. It does. It's not always a great story, but you know, well, people the sure about a physical pain. These guys got to be in right. all the time. Right. Yeah. Pissing it's... out of tubes. But you know, there are people who don't do stunts for a living and are celebrities that have a similar story. So what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> um, but I, I love Jackass and I, I, I hope someone out there is with me. I think it's one of the cool, it, it to me, it's, just one of the funniest things that's come out in the last 20 years, man. It's yeah. It works for me. It's definitely one of those things where you think you're not into Jackass and then you watch Jackass and you're like, fuck, I am kind of into uh, Jackass. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, it's kind of does yeah, it for what me, happens actually. If you, yeah, what does happen if you staple your nuts to something? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's pretty much what I thought it looked like. <laughs> yeah, I spent I spent yeah. most of my adolescence not getting laid, jumping out of cars into bushes, and uh, trying to make homophobes uncomfortable. This show relates to me <laughs> so goddamn much. But with that, wow, hard pivot into books of, of 2000, September 25th to the uh, October 1st. Sarah Cavalier and Clay is out. Yeah, so yeah. I've been extremely remiss because last week we saw the publication of the Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay Ooh. by Michael Shabon which is my most recommended book. This is the book that I recommend to almost everyone I talk to. It is one of my favorite books of all time. It's by Michael Shabon, who also wrote Wonder Boys and a number of other great um, novels. It won the Pulitzer Prize in 2001. And it's the story of two Jewish cousins, like before and during and after World War II, who come together and they become major like players in the comics industry and create a character, a comic book character. And um, kind of, it shows their like them starting out as like little kids together. Like one of them, I believe already lives in America at the start of the novel. And then the other one is fleeing to America to escape the Holocaust and them growing up together and creating a comic book empire together. And then how their lives like diverge. And it is, truly one of the greatest American novels, I believe. And I, I think a lot of other people agree with me. Um, and it is, I don't know. I recommend it to everyone. It's a big book and it did, it does take a little bit to get into because it goes, it goes into a lot of Jewish mythology talking about the Gollum because they use that as like a reference point for the mythology they create with their, uh, there's the story that they create with their superhero. It's fantastic. Gotta love some golems, man. Everyone loves a golem. I mean, Frankenstein, man. Everyone loves the Frankensteins. Mm -hmm. I can't recommend this book enough. And it is, everyone loves it. Everyone who I've ever recommended it to loves it. They cannot get it to film. Like, this has Mm -hmm. been a book that has been, like, optioned to death. And, like, 
tried to get it off the ground. It's just wow. not happening. And Shabon, you know, Michael Shabon, who, you know, like I said, did Wonder Boys, but he also is wrote Picard, the new, like, Star Trek. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he he's great. He does everything. They tried to make this into film. They can't do it. They tried to make it into a television miniseries on HBO. Couldn't get it done. Hmm. It There was talks to commission an opera about this. Oh, my God. Thing. That didn't happen. It did become like a stage play eventually uh, for a short while. But, yeah, don't let yeah. that turn you off. This right. book is fan-fucking-tastic. I, f- I feel like such a dick because I've slept on this one so long. It's been on my to-do list for 20 years now. And I've read other Shabon since then. Mm-hmm. I read Yiddish Policeman's Union, which I Me really too. enjoyed. <laughs> and now they could make a movie up. Like, it's about instead of if Israel wasn't mm-hmm. in Israel, if, if it was in Alaska. Yes. And then, and then a then murder it, mystery was And then it's that. a murder mystery. And yeah, it's fantastic. loved it. Loved it. So I I mm. just I keep putting off Cavalier Clue just because like I don't know, it's long or what I should just get get the audiobook and go for it. So. It is a little bit long, but it, it is the book that I have recommended, I think, to the most amount of people in my life. Like when someone asks me for a book recommendation, it I usually start here because it is Damn. transportive. Like mm. it just transports you to another world. And if you have any interest in comic book culture, this is a they run into figures in that world like that is folded into the novel and it it does give you like a a great idea of like what it was like during like the 30s and 40s to create these like comic book characters and and what the comics world was like there and what the business was like talking Mm. about like selling rights to different like publishing houses and and how hard that was and especially if you're jewish like you know coming from that perspective too in america like it was very difficult very difficult. So uh, I can't say enough good things about it. I can talk about <laughs> Michael Shabon forever. He's one of my favorite writers of all time. And this all right. is probably his greatest work. Yeah. Yo, one of these days, once COVID's over, you're all going to have to come over here and we're going to go to Berkeley and stalk him. You want to do that? <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> okay, cool. So easy. Think I know where he lives. Yeah. yeah. That's not a threat. It's not a big place. And, <laughs> we'll, find, and we'll find. Weirdly, one of the reasons that I got into Michael Shabon is A, because I love uh, Wonder Boys, but also through the writing of his wife, Islet Waldman, who is also a fantastic writer on her own and got in a lot of trouble. Just this, like, this is a side story. Gotten in, not trouble, but courted a lot of controversy because she wrote an essay talking about how she will always love her husband more than she loves her children. Oh. And that's how relationships work. In your for face, her. Timmy. And it, it was, it got I could always make more of you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, they are fantastic. And uh, I, yeah, can't recommend this book enough. That'd be great. Well, let's let us, uh, oh, video games of 2000. Vampire Hunter D and Destruction Derby Raw are out for PS1. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Dragon Warrior 1 and 2 are out for Game Boy Color. And uh, NHL 2001 is out for PS2. Um, we'll go way more in depth on that. Patreon.com slash Laser 10. But let's take us out of the segment with uh, Aaron's Party. Uh, <laughs> Come and Get It by Aaron well, Carter. Is, I mean, we keep talking about like happy rap and we miss happy rap. This is some straight up parents don't just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that shit right now. Uh, we'll close out with that and we get back. Uh, we're going to talk about the social network with a special guest. Stay right there. First on the floor, you know that's me. Busting at the moves like it's MTV. I guess somewhere along I lost my head. Then I jumped on the table. This is what I said. People all around you got to. Everyone together sing aloud. Jump all around. Come on. Say it again.
Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of September 25th through October 1st, happy beginning of Halloween times, I guess. Uh, let's talk about my recommendation for this week. 75 years ago, this week from 1945, see Roberto Rossellini's Italian neorealist masterpiece, Roma Città Aperta or Rome Open City. Co-written by Federico Fellini, it stars Aldo Fabrizi and Anna Magnani. I, I just love listening to Italian. I actually went down a weird rabbit hole listened to only Italian ASMR videos the other day, just because <laughs> it's just fun. I just, I, I don't know. I just like listening to people talk Italian. I, anyway, Rome Open City is filmed, uh, it's about World War II, and it's filmed during World War II in Italy, which is like in World War II. Uh, they had to go through a lot to make it. I think there's some parts where they didn't have enough film and they literally were taking photo negatives, like rolls of film they would use in a camera and stitching them together. And each one of those equals about a second of film. And they just sort of grafted them all together to have enough film to make this movie. It's a nice, simple story, mostly about a priest uh, and, you know, a, a woman and living under German occupation in World War II because there's a point where italy starts faltering in the war with their buddies the germans and the germans occupy and it's about them uh you know yeah living under this nazi occupation what are they going to do uh where are they going to go where is safe was not safe it actually has like a lot of light funny parts you, you wouldn't expect that you, you'd get any chuckles out of it but also it feels like a documentary it doesn't really feel like you're watching a a, a fictional film it's uh anna magnani i, I really really like her where i First time I saw her, and then I got deeper into Italian cinema, and I just really like her a lot. Uh, yeah, so it's a good place to start with Roberto Rossellini and with Italian neorealism, Rome Open City from 1945. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in at 2010 with Clusterfuck by Electric Six off of Zodiac. I know one of your husband, Diana's favorite karaoke bands. Electric yep. Six. Uh, welcome to 2010, September 25th through October 1st. Gotta tease, we have a really big segment on the social network with Diana's uh, brother, a, a former Yaley and Harvard uh, alumnist. To talk about yeah, Harvard, network. man. Uh, We're Harvard, very man. disappointed in him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rough stuff. My condolences. Uh, so big social network talk coming ahead, but let's get get you uh, get you through the music of 2010. New releases: Tiny Tempa with this discovery. Uh, Everything in between by No Age. Beautiful stories for ugly children by Mushroom Head and uh, invented by Jimmy Eat World. I am the West by Ice Cube. Uh, Halcyon Digest by Deer Hunter. Lonely Avenue by Ben Folds. Nick and Nick Hornby. Um, the Descent of Man by Bad Religion. And uh, Axioma Ethica. Odini by Enslaved, a name that will never go out of style. Teenage Dream by. I can can vouch for three of those albums, actually. Like, I really love, of course, Jimmy World is one of my all time favorite bands, and Invented is very good. Um, Lonely Avenue by Ben Folds and Nick Hornby is just as twee as you think it's going to be, but it's great. I mean, like, I love Ben Folds and I love Nick Hornby because I'm a corny white girl. Um, and the Descent of Man by Bad Religion is also very good. I, I just not, listened to what? Ad Hominem today. Huh. You're listening yeah. to Bad Religion in 2010, Sarah? 
I listen to everything. I'm take your temperature. What's going on here? Good for you. Uh, Teenage Dream by Katy Perry is still number one. To bring you in a little bit of news for uh, this week, and just to tie in what we're going to say about the social network, this oh is the perfect story of an in- <laughs> technology <laughs> inventor and has the perfect end. I the, hate this story. The Segway company owner, uh, Jimmy, uh, how do you say it? Hesselden? He probably Hesselden. Hesselden, 62, right. rides his Segway off a cliff and dies. <laughs> but it's, it not only, like, killed him, like, no one wanted a Segway after that. No one, no one wanted a Segway, No. But it could have no. evolved into something that people did want. Because an accelerometer, some cool techie things in there. But, like... Looks so mm. dorky, and Paul Blart ruined that for everyone, anyways. Mm. But mm. this story I hated because uh, I am a huge fucking buzzkill about this kind of stuff. But I hate all that like Darwin Award stuff, mm-hmm. like anything like that. Like cause someone fucking died, y'all. Like that's mm. very sad. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter yeah. how funny well, it is. Did. I don't know. The, the only way it's funny for me if he were was the inventor, and he's not. He's just the company owner. Yeah. But sure. I think I double check because I remember a bunch of years ago. There was probably it's probably on Wikipedia now, but there was a whole website that just catalogs every engineer that's been killed by their own designs. Right, and I'll I'll be honest, kind of love it. Yeah, it's every it's how supervillains die. And so there's two Very things. Interesting. There's two things that are funny about it. Okay. One fell down a hill. That's always funny. He probably made the goofy scream, like while he was doing. It. <laughs> Fair or the Wilhelm scream. Yahahuhuid on his own invention. Never mind, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, movies of 2010, September 25th through uh, I'm sorry, guys. October 1st. <laughs> uh, Case 39 with Renee, Renee Zellweger, Ian McShane, and Bradley Cooper. What? Um, yeah, it barely got released. Uh, it's a supernatural thriller about uh, Renee Zellweger. I think she's like a social worker, and she's to save this kid from this abusive family. And it turns out, like, the kid is evil, and... Supernatural spooky things happen, and it got real bad reviews. Blick. But those are three people I kind of never thought I'd seen a movie together. So that's sort of right. fun. And uh, it's, Ooh, cho- I, it's I, a good one for the Six Degrees Separation game. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. And you can chalk this up to a movie I feel like I've seen, but I realize I have not. I have not oh, seen yeah. Catfish. Uh, okay, this movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've not. I've not Ooh. seen Catfish. I've seen the show, and I know what the movie's about, but I don't. I haven't seen the fucking movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's check out the trailer real fast. Megan is a dancer. She sings. Her sister is an artist. This is the painting of Angela that she did. That's the mom? Yeah. Wow. I know. She's hot. The Facebook family. That's what we'll call them. I really care about this girl. I've had a real conversation with her. So you're full on going out? Because I don't know that much about her. I don't really want her getting hurt. I'm not getting hurt. So. Just a true story. Um, oh man, what what a week that I mean, right? we've already said. We're talking about social network. We have another right. movie about Facebook that also has creepy kids singing. Yeah, yeah. fucking trailer. Twenty tens version creepy. of the worst thing Facebook could ever do to you: cat being catfished. Mm, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, oh, I mean, first, yeah, it, it adds a, a word to our our lexicon yeah. to yeah. be catfished. Mm-hmm. It's, it was kind of crazy to watch because I I had not seen the documentary film. I had seen the um, the television program mm-hmm. on MTV, uh, a bunch of it actually because it is extremely compelling. Mm-hmm. But I had never seen the the source material, which is this documentary film by Neb Shulman and Rel Shulman, his brother. And 
it is something I, I think it's an important piece of history, honestly, to watch. Mm. Like, I think it's a well done documentary. It's it's pretty quick. Um, and it is a great snapshot into a time period of the internet, I believe. So basically, it's the story of this guy, Nev Shulman, who is a photographer and then starts receiving communications on the internet from what he thinks it, from a like eight year old girl who paints like reproductions of his photographs and then he starts to get to know her family and then i mean we all know what catfish means now so we know that this is a sham um but it is so it's a well-done documentary i hate to say because Mm. it is very fun to watch this fucking credulous horny dork get bamboozled by this lady (laughs) yeah well see that's that's where some of the controversy comes in because so many people said why are you filming this if you don't think anything weird is going to happen Mm. therefore this is fake Mm. and i i kind of lean towards i think they thought it was quite possible that that this lady is fake and that's when they started filming and he's acting a bit more credulous than maybe he really is. Like, they probably have some suspicions and are thinking, like, well, let's see where this goes. Maybe it turns out that she is, like, a hot dancer, model, singer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Who's conveniently, like, only available at certain times. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, but I feel like... So, around the same time period, uh, there was a series that... Um, was released on HBO called the Neistat brothers. And it was about, you know, this, these brothers who kind of documented a lot of parts of their lives, like, and, and it kind of coalesced into like a move or to a TV series that I really enjoyed. Casey Neistat um, kind of became a personality out of that. And so mm-hmm. I do kind of see also like a, if, if you're an artsy dude and you're just like, you're come from an artsy family or whatever, and you are, grappling with this new technology where you can, you know, document your life like this. Like I can see that happening and this kind of happening in real time. I don't know. Maybe I'm cred- mm. a credulous dork now. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, I mean, there were plenty of people who said this is 100% fake. And I was like, I don't know about a hundred percent, but 40%. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, I think the, the, the conclusion is the same. It's how they get there. I think they might be fudging a little bit, mm. but I, you know, it's funny because I never watched Catfish the show, but I used to read recaps. <laughs> and when you shrink it down into a short little recap, it's like it becomes even more interesting because if you read a bunch in a row, then you see it's like always the same couple things. And it's always so sad where it's always um, someone who uh, I pretended to be someone else to hit on my partner to see if they would cheat on me. Oh, goodness. That's um, yep. There was like, I am secretly in love with my friend, but... Possibly because of my orientation. they I don't know how they're going to react to it. And the thing that always got me is anytime it was a black person, they always had their fake persona had lighter skin tone than them. That is really striking. It's like, oh my God, we are learning. I'm learning so much about like people's worst inner fears that they haven't even grappled with themselves. Well, colorism is a, is a real problem for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I also though like watching the show because I watched a bunch of it. Like uh, the amount of people who were like, I was just bored and wanted to fuck with someone. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
that yep. was and, and I mean when you watch this movie which I think I recommend as a watch because it, it is a I think it is an important historical artifact when when we talk about the internet because it did give us this term and, yeah. and well and so much of the idea that like the early promise of the internet you know you're you're not limited by your reality or your physical being you can be mm-hmm. whoever you want well I'm actually a disabled man in a wheelchair but I can pretend I'm whoever it is I want to be. Mm-hmm. And like, that's treated like a good thing on the internet. No one knows you're a dog, right. but you can also use that to bring people into your little web of lies and mm-hmm. emotionally manipulate them and bad things can happen too. Yeah. And I think this is a great example though, of a situation where bad things didn't happen. Like nothing yeah. bad happened okay. to anyone here. And I don't, and one of the things that I do like about, I, I find Nev Shulman to be a bit, disingenuous and Mm -hmm. smarmy a little bit as just a person but i did i did not feel really at any point that he was making fun of the person that he was engaging with i think he was truly like cared about whatever was happening here and like wanted to just get to the truth of it at a certain point yeah and once you do get to the truth of it when you see what her life is like Mm -hmm. normally it's like yeah she I could see why she's under a lot of stress and pressure and she wants to spice it up and pretend she doesn't have these stresses and pressures on her. Which is so wild because the world that she builds seems so much more stressful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she has like multiple phones that she has to engage with and like multiple storylines that she has to keep going with because like she, he, she spills, she spins this whole thing with like friends of the girl that he's supposedly like having this like, cyber relationship with and then they get involved and so she has to like juggle like 10 facebook profiles mm-hmm. that to me seems extremely stressful yeah mm-hmm. but it's a great movie i, I think it's a great documentary I, I think it's definitely it needed to be made a yeah. version of this needed to exist for the world we live in today and it's still mm-hmm. happening like i you know oh, God, i constantly I, you know, I love trash uh, reality TV and I watch 90 Day Fiance. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot, y'all. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah People yeah. who want green cards would lie on the internet. It happens all the time. I don't. Yeah. It really speaks to how lonely people are. Yeah. Oh, good segue. Right? Yeah. Nicely that done, man. Yeah, a movie that because... we didn't need at the time and that sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, Elias Costas, Richard Jenkins, Chloe Grace Mortez. Um, and you Kobe always Kobe. say it that way. Moretz. Chloe Grace Moretz. Moretz, uh, let me in. What a terrible title. An ancient force found by Fidesu has survived for 200 years. By living. Are you a vampire? As a child. I need blood to live. You okay? of Cloverfield. Do you think there's such a thing as evil? How do you protect a bomb when you are cursed to destroy? Let me in. What a fucking stupid title. No. uh, Don't watch this. this, this, this What? This is made in a different era. This... I was I was on the internet reading about movies every day, and everybody was raving about "Let the Right One In." Let the right. watch that instead. Yeah, and, well, and yeah, because but... Americans don't want to read subtitles. Eighteen months later comes this movie, mm-hmm. and it's it is a pale comparison. It, and it's too similar in most parts. 
Let Me In is a dumb title that doesn't make yeah. any sense to what they're talking yeah. about, which involves inviting vampires over your threshold. And yep. it like it's it, it's a it's a wonderful little story about a, a little girl vampire and a little human boy who find this bond with one another, and it's fucking awesome. And then they make this dude not shot for shot, but like two similar so like yeah. i would mm-hmm. i was like livid watching this like what, me was, too. what was the point of this me too i agree <laughs> like either make it more bombastic yeah. or just don't do it and uh, like just sorry you have to watch this really great swedish film yeah. with subtitles do you really assume the like we haven't heard of this before and like this didn't make much of a splash and i think because most no. people like let the right one in was like an international sensation in the internet movie Fantastic. community mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was livid for that, and like I'm not I'm not a big subtitle movie v- watcher, but if it got to me, why are you doing this? Well, I think the problem with this is that like the scenes that were like shot for shot remakes mm-hmm. from what I remember were like this subtle, quiet like connection scenes, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. scenes that like got an American shine on it was like the Laughable. the real like gory gross mm-hmm. scenes and the, that kind of ruins the whole like feel of the film which is supposed to be like a very quiet very dark yeah. film about mm-hmm. exploring like what it is to be a child who has their own demons and so like you know part of this it, it's the story of this like little boy who is being horribly bullied mm-hmm. by children in his school and in his neighborhood and then all of a sudden a another child moves in who is his same age but she happens to be a vampire and he becomes friends with her and it's a story about like you know what happens there and the swedish version just does it way better and way more subtly yeah yeah it is subtle it's tough it's tough for me because I actually think Let Me In is a good movie if you take it by itself. Mm, yeah, it's hard. Most most remakes, especially Americanized remakes, even if you see them completely on their own terms, mm-hmm. you, so you can tell it's, it's not working. And I think this one, it works really well. But it's in comparison part where it's like it's let the right one in is sort of, yeah, a, a deeper, more interesting movie. But I think Let Me In... I. I still think it is a good movie. I can't be like, fuck that noise. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but the, the trajectory of when I saw it, like I love one and have a yeah. serious distaste for the other. Yeah, same and, here. And yeah, I, well, I mean, it's just too similar. I get yeah. it. It's just an English language version. But I think the acting is really good. I mean, it does have the benefit of Richard Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Richard and, and, Jenkins plays such an everything. interesting part and yeah. he is so perfect for it. Like that guy does put upon... Re- resigned and put upon better than and anything. I, I would go on to to love Matt Reeves, um, which I was like, oh, this Cloverfield guy wasted his shit, wasted his swing. And then he made two great Planet of the Apes films, and I love him forever. Yeah. Oh, and I also want to say, like, Let Me In is not a recommend from me, but if you do watch it, I just, the bullying scenes in it were so intense that I mm-hmm. felt like I should say that a trigger warning or a content warning on oh. this that it, they are very upsetting. The yeah. bullying scenes are like really, really intense. So if that's a trigger for you, like just wanted to put that out there. Mm. Yeah. And- no, I mean, yeah, you should watch the original. That's always my recommendation. But if your mom is like, you want to watch this movie? You shouldn't be like, ugh. Like no, they did a good job. Okay. It's just it's just too much of a copy. But now it's on to the big game, the biggest movie of the week, quite possibly. This was nominated uh I believe for Laser Time's Movie of the Decade. 
by at least one of us uh, on the panel. Rashida Jones, Rudy Mara, Army Hammer, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Jesse Eisenberg. It's number one at the box office, The Social Network. I need to do something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun, and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles? I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The site got 2,200 hits within two hours? Thousand. 22,000. This idea is potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? You stole our website. They're saying we stole the Facebook. I know what it said. So did we. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. You're going to get left behind. It's moving faster than any of us ever imagined it would behind. Let's sue him in federal court. I can't stop watching this fucking trailer. It's one of the greatest trailers ever. I mean, uh, yeah. David Fincher trailers are pretty great because... I assume because he was a good uh, music video director. Yeah. Ooh, well, yeah, because good probably point. Has, he I, may not be like creating the trailers, but I, I mean, all of his trailers are fantastic. I, I and I feel like that has to do with it. Having watched this back, not back to back, but just so close to last week's movie, it is, it feels like an Ivy League Goodfellas. <laughs> 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 it jumps back and forth in time. It's, it, yeah, uh, it's some yeah, of it yeah. feels like a two and a half hour trailer, but I should introduce our special guest. It is I, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey, good Jeffrey, brother yeah. of Diana. So to explain, I subpoenaed Jeffrey as, <laughs> as an expert witness because we all went to public universities, correct, mm-hmm. Sarah? Mm-hmm. Yes, Chris? yes, very much mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Uh, we went to public universities, and my brother Jeff here was at Yale during the time that is depicted in this movie, and then subsequently went to Harvard. So I really, I just contacted him for deep background on final clubs and the hodiness of people and people's <laughs> attitudes in general. And uh, you just started spilling the tea, and <laughs> like, all right, just come on the damn show. Yeah, it, uh, uh, because I, I, I really still... I like this movie more every time I see it. And mm-hmm. I think uh, people's criticism of the movie is sort of wrapped up in the in criticism of the subject. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. The most fascinating thing I, I you can find, I worked on the internet. I was an internet evangelist. Uh, digital could do no wrong. Uh, and, and a bunch of tech journalists were like, this is not very nice. Uh, they just <laughs> don't understand uh, yeah. they don't understand the, the revolution that is upon them. And like, no, 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 we understood. And I think Aaron Sorkin sort of understood, but it's why Mark Zuckerberg, dude, Facebook was how like old at this point? Less yeah, than 10 I years mean, old? Seven years, yeah. not even. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I, I We're farther that. away from this movie than this movie was from what it is depicted. Right. I want to yeah. say there's, there's a couple different ways that we need to talk about the social network yeah. as a movie, mm-hmm. as history, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as prehistory to now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So where do you want to start with that? I think as, as a movie, because as a movie, it's, I like Aaron Sorkin's writing, but like mm-hmm. mixed with uh, David Fincher's direction, this movie is fucking gorgeous. It it all melts together so beautifully. Like it, it's just, I, I'm a big David Fincher fan. Like mm-hmm. I think he's probably my favorite director. And so, yeah, this is, this movie is gorgeous to look at first mm-hmm. of all. Yeah. It's gorgeous to look at, but it also, yeah, like you said with Goodfellas, it mm-hmm. does things with time and what order things are happening in that unveils more of the story in an interesting way than just, straight point a to point b right mm-hmm. he uses the uh litigation sequences to rush him on things up a little bit 
mm-hmm. to to show you someone else's perspective of similar events. And even watching it now, like none of them are sympathetic to Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I think I mean, that, he's that's, not a sympathetic person. That helps the movie stand up a little bit, but I, it it sort of tries to do that. And like, I, I I do love, dude. Go back and look at like tech people writing about this. Like, this isn't what Silicon Valley. They think we're all misogynists, and Aaron Sorkin's like, because you are. And if Aaron Sorkin is telling you you're a misogynist, <laughs> you should listen because that dude's not great with women. And, and, and not unlike <laughs> how, how, how Goodfellas inspired a little bit of machismo, even at the time Zuckerberg is talking about this, like, I hope it inspires other Silicon Valley startups. And it did. It very um, much did. Uh, it, it, it helped inspire the wrong people in the wrong ways. And I can understand throwing shade at the movie for that. But I, I think as a movie, I think it's great. In history, now it's a footnote of history. We've moved on to like a different era of Facebook, maybe two or three different eras of Facebook. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's that's where the, the prehistory comes in. Because mm-hmm. like I almost I almost want a sequel. Yes. Covers, yes, like, I do. They're, they're talking about one. They're talking about a sequel. Oh, it's it's it might be in development. It would be one of the weirdest prestige sequels you've ever seen, Texasville. Sorry, Jeff, yeah. that's a throwback to a second you went on. But, I mean, we'd have to have a sequel to see fucking Mark Zuckerberg called in front of Congress to answer for his sins. Yeah. So this, is, this is my problem with the, with the movie, and I, I had to look this up. I mean, I think of, of comparable movies about sort of the rise of, of a company. You know, Citizen Kane, I think, is the, is the pretty obvious parallel. Mm-hmm. Um, William yeah. Randolph Hearst was like 78 when that was made. Yeah. There's no real, there's no real arc to this. This is my, I, I think this movie is really beautifully acted. Yes. I think the Sorkin-ness of it is actually done really well compared to many of the other things that I, I usually don't find very interesting. Newsroom. <coughs> uh, <laughs> the music obviously is really cool. They do uh, a really good job with the kind of um, uh, sort of way people are dressing and everything. But at the end of it, uh, you know, I hadn't seen this in 10 years. At the end, you know, you, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is is sitting there alone in his boardroom, like looking at his ex-girlfriend. And I laughed out loud because I was like, he could clone her. Like he has so much <laughs> money and power. Like th- this is this is, I think, kind of where it's very hard for me to separate out what it was trying to to do from what what we lived and what we have lived now, especially over the last few years of if they had made this movie about like bake book or whatever, starring, you know, Zuck Markerberg, like it would be, a, <laughs> I think, a much better movie in some ways, because at the end, I think it's trying to make a point that we've been sucked into this kind of individualized alienation. Mm-hmm. And it turns mm-hmm. out that uh, that's not actually what the, the flaw of Facebook is. The flaw is that you actually get too much information right? and that like mm. in a normal world, I wouldn't know what someone I went to elementary school is doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, and, like, I wouldn't you, know he's watching a football game and loves Trump at any right. other point in history. Well, and that was one of the things that I think we've seen recently is that Facebook has pretty much eliminated the need for high school reunions. True. Yeah. So many people that I've talked to, including my, I mean, like, my peers have been like, why do I need to go to a 10 year reunion? Like I know what everybody in my high school is up to and it's not that interesting and you can't lie about it. So like, you can't go to your high school oh, reunion and, and be like, I'm doing great. It's like, bitch, I've seen your kids. And, and if I, <laughs> and if I may, doing great. it's a, it's a good time to slide in. Um, if you haven't seen the social dilemma on Netflix, mm-hmm. it is a bunch of Silicon Valley pioneer defectors who are not specifically going after Facebook, but mm-hmm. 
the uh, radicalization aspects and the bubble aspects and the, uh, uh, the, the closing off your worldview, some of the negative aspects to social media, which were not really being discussed at this point because... No. And, and that's what it's fascinating about the movie because by the, when, when I was on Facebook, when I got on Facebook, there was no advertising. There was no monetization of any kind for fucking years. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, and it just seemed like this nice thing. Remember you had to be in college to yeah, subscribe to so it? It used was, to be the rich kids MySpace. That's what my friends referred to it as. I was an <laughs> earlier adopter of Facebook than you were, I think, even anti yeah, because you were. I started college undergrad in 2003 and when I start I had in high school I had gone to I, I've talked about before nerd camp mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends from there went on to Ivy League colleges so I was hearing from them like oh Facebook face like I was hearing rumblings about Facebook and then the minute it opened up to more than the Ivies like because I had friends who were already on Facebook they just sent me the invitation so yeah for a long time Antista like in our group of friends I was like one of the only ones with Facebook and mm-hmm. all you people who are like only five years older than me, like did not have access to it. Maybe even more because some people like graduate, didn't have, you know, college email addresses anymore. Or I whatever, didn't start using it, which you needed on, to have to a, even get on it. I used it on a more regular basis once I moved because mm-hmm. it was a great way right. to just keep in touch with these people. And I'm saying that if you've seen like something like the social dilemma and you really, really should, it's a very palatable documentary. There is no talk of the ethics of Facebook as a thing at all in this movie. Mm-hmm. No, it, no, no. I mean, the ethics are behind the scenes about whose idea it was and what they were doing with it. It's not about how it could like lead to vigilante militia yeah. or it, it begs uh, for a sequel. Not vaccinating their fucking kids or any of that or stuff. Which, Myanmar or f- fucking yeah, uh, which, that's what I'm or bringing about Kenosha as, shooter as, to it's it, as prehistory of like what has happened between 2010 and now. And that's, and that's what I wanted to ask Jeff about, because like at the, it, I think it is, it's not a scathing portrait of Mark Zuckerberg, but there, I think there is a bit of anger coming from Sorkin and maybe Fincher about the incubator from which these ideas spring and yeah. that like yeah. uh, world domination at all costs. It's, it's cute when you're in your twenties, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I think there's that, but I, I mean, this is, I mean, this is kind of like, you can't make an anti-war movie like mm-hmm. that Mark Zuckerberg, who mm-hmm. I may have actually met. So I knew a bunch of people who had worked with him on a proto social social network for like Ivy league student governments mm-hmm. um, and, and knew him. And, and I think I probably was at a party with him. In fact, someone I know from college married a character in this movie. So someone I know from college <laughs> was, married, the guy, was the guy in um, brown face. Uh, no, <laughs> Dustin Markovitz, Markovitz, oh, um, yeah. um, someone else I went to college with married one of the founders of Instagram. Someone else I went to college with actually who was my, my then college girlfriend's roommate, uh, married the founder of Twitch who also went to Yale. You know, mm-hmm. this was, this was the scene, the thing about Mark Zuckerberg, and you've seen it in, in congressional testimony and, and even just kind of interviews and stuff is all of these people or almost all of these people are incredibly uncharismatic. Yeah. And, you know, I understand why a movie that's two hours long of uncharismatic people like coding and then being shitty to each other is not great entertainment. <laughs> uh, and so like, to me, this is, this is again, like this idea that, that when you put the words of Aaron Sorkin in the, the mouth of a talented actor, like Jesse Eisenberg, you know, you make him into something that is much more 
interesting and much more charismatic than than he is in real life. And it kind of papers over something that the book that this is based on gets into is that, you know, there's nothing really special about what these guys were doing. You know, I think the book is called The Accidental Billionaires or yeah. something like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, there there aren't it's very different than a movie like like Jobs or whatever, like where you're talking about someone who is unbelievably charismatic as a person. You know, these guys really, in some ways, aren't. And they 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 make them into someone uh, who you want to follow. Like, it, it also, like- one of them looks like Justin Timberlake. Like, well, yeah. you know, I mean, that's yeah. that's one thing that I didn't even think about watching it ten years ago. That is that strikes me as absolutely genius. Now is that yeah, you're right. I mean, these guys are not the world's most interesting people, and to they all treat Sean Parker because he's the creator of Napster. They treat him like a rock star. Mm-hmm. Who do you get to play a rock star? Yeah. But a fucking rock star. Just, like like wow, uh, yeah. Jonah Hill went out for that role. And I'm like, well, that would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. And, and probably worked this uh, anyway. Uh, but here's here's my Ivy League insight, I guess, is that Mark Zuckerberg's fundamental plan is a f- destined to fail. Mm-hmm. His plan to get into a finals club, a final club, uh, <laughs> it, you know, is to really try to impress the people who, who lead that kind of world. But that is, that's is, not how you get in is is he you not get, is he not from money he's he's like from money upper okay. middle class money. okay like but money also, but not money money let's be honest about money though so i can give you a statistic from from yale yale has more s- students whose parents are in the top one percent of incomes than the bottom 60 percent combined Fuck. so you know mark <laughs> zuckerberg's plan to try to like impress them with some sort of accomplishment is actually in some ways kind of doomed to fail because mm-hmm. honestly, you already know if you're getting in, you already mm-hmm. know you're in that world. And, you know, some huge percentage of people at Harvard are legacies, huge percentage of people at Yale are legacies. So he's, he's kind of, it's, it's sort of not important. The The other part of that is you're already at Harvard. Right. Mm-hmm. You're already a very driven and, and accomplished person to the degree you can be at a, at 20. Like, it's not like you join a final club in order to then suddenly be whisked into this magical world, which is a little bit how they present parts of it. Um, well, that, that to it's me, more elite than even being at Harvard is elite. What the fuck is a yeah, final? Like, what, how, how would you cares? describe a final cl- a final club? But that's the that's the genius of you know Aaron Sorkin's writing and David Fincher's directing is that we are kind of suckered into like feeling like this guy's an underdog in some way right <laughs> you know right. because I, I of I, the i don't know that I, maybe i'm watching at, the a, way a, the structure a, is. at a different eye just because he doesn't have his sad robot hair it didn't mean i wasn't watching it with a, a more critical eye and that like every one of these assholes is operating on a stolen idea that already exists yeah like mm-hmm. which is integrating pictures to make a phone book with faces which every school had already done already. They just hadn't integrated them amongst other schools. And actually, and, even Harvard and, and Yale did that in analog form. So I, I actually own Facebooks. Wow. That's like yeah, an that's actual thing from. Yeah. that yeah. you get. So, I, I, can see, I can see one on my bookshelf. It's and I, a, I love... The thing that holds up the least to me, uh, I love the Winklevosses as like this... Oh. As this, these dumb, dumb villains... Let's talk about this. That's one thing, though, what what Jeff was just saying about, like, well, you want to get into this fancy elite club and Mm -hmm. you think you can do it by impressing people. But what he does is meet up with some of these fancy elite people and then immediately backstab them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
that's not going to get him into this club. I mean, part of this, one of my real complaints is that they sort of simplify his motivations into he wants to get into the fancy club and B, he doesn't like that a girl rejected him. And it's like, those are not obviously his only motivations. Yeah, I don't, I I never saw that. I never, his motivations though. I mean, I, that, what are his motivations now? Yeah, I, I, pow- that is power, though. Like, yeah, that's what like, I'm saying is that, like, I do think that those were his only motivations, and those are basic enough to be enough. Like, I think that's it. I think that's what it was actually. In a, I don't in a movie, it is. But to me, this falls. This is very self-serving. I think to to Mark Zuckerberg, and I, I know he's given quotes about like, "Oh, it wasn't that I got dumped. Like, I would just wanted to help bring people together, or whatever nonsense." Like, oh, this yeah. falls into a, a kind of trope of Silicon Valley origin uh-huh. story, where mm-hmm. you know, there's some sort of like incident in your youth, and you use that to to change the world, right? I mean, that was like mm-hmm. the Theranos thing. Like, I was scared of needles, so I developed a technology. Developed, quote unquote, <laughs> developed a technology. I can't imagine. Yeah. That's a movie I want to watch. Just right. Right? Mark, oh, I Mark, Mark Zuckerberg in elementary school gets a Newton knocked out of his hand. You'll never yeah. create anything on the web. The- right. <laughs> and and I think that the answer is both more interesting and less interesting. I think and the more interesting answer is that, you know, this is a very driven person who very clearly loves being having power. I mean, having mm-hmm. having control. And mm-hmm. I think the the less interesting thing is that some of it was accidental some of it sort of very clearly snowballed in order to sort of follow through with his power i think this is where the movie is less effective now than it was probably five years ago yeah which is five years ago or that facebook that earlier stage of facebook you know the ending where you are just kind of like alienated and like sadly trying to retrace you know your your social your social network you could really see say that that is what facebook was doing and now it is just like such a weird pit of everything going on all at once that it's really hard to to kind of again like I like I said like at the end of the the movie I laughed because mm. like that's not how this company has developed over the next right. five years and you, that's why yeah. it's really difficult to make a movie where again he's twenty seven I think at this at the end of the movie something like that mm. like right. there's so much. He's not brought low. Like it, all these other movies no. that are about these types of can, people are brought low. Like, can you, remember? you know, there's no, there will be blood where he's like, I'm finished. Like, do you want a statistic? Because they give yeah. you a statistic at the end of the movie that says at the, the end of the movie, it says Facebook has 500 million members and is valued at $25 billion. 10 years later, it has 2.5 billion users and is valued at $776 billion. It comes pre- I wanted to find numbers on how many people have died because of Facebook, and it is in the thousands. Yeah. Thank you, Burma. Yeah, and and it, it, uh, it comes pre-installed on phones in third world countries. So it's like it is yeah. for some people, it's their version of the Internet. And again, that stereotype at the end of the film, like I haven't thought about the Facebook stereotype of looking up old girlfriends because I mm-hmm. did that 10 years ago. We're friends <laughs> and I occasionally get to stalk her when it comes in my feed. Everything else now is much scarier. <laughs> There's yeah. so yeah. much more ugly behavior on Facebook than there was 10 years ago. There definitely is, and I do not want to like understate how the oh. detriment that Facebook has had. But there are also some good things that have come from social networking. Sure. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't want to completely like say that Facebook is a force of evil in this world completely because like there are family members who have been able to find each other. There have been like people who did not previously have communities who have been able to find communities who have like pulled them out of depths of despair through Facebook and through social networking. So like, 
I, I don't want this entire discussion to go by with us yeah. completely saying that like Facebook is the most evil no, thing that's I ever use, happened. I use Facebook yeah, every day. My, I mean, look at the LGC. It's usually a force mm, of good. Mm, <laughs> and I yeah. love those people. Well, yeah. I mean, it kills me that while I was watching this movie, I was also double checking in the Facebook group. I'm with sewing free face masks for communities that has sent out half a right. million free masks. Mm -hmm. But again, there, there's the, the, the movie Facebook. And yet, oh, I kept pausing the movie because my rage at elites mm -hmm. was yes. overcoming me. And that's why I started texting Jeff. Jeff, do you think the Harvard experience mm -hmm. in re elitism and sexism in particular, mm -hmm. how do you feel that was depicted in the film? Well, I would say inaccurately, but not because it's it's in real life better. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's inaccurate in that, honestly, watching this a little bit, and I was not a member of uh, a secret society uh, at Yale, which is the equivalent of a final club. Like you could would you, tell us if you, you were. Like you would say. Yeah. I, but I knew plenty of people. I've been in a bunch of those, and I think maybe they have a slightly different vibe than, than Harvard does. It struck me a little bit as not accurate to my, my experience. It seemed a little bit more 80s than mm. um than my vibe which makes sense for for aaron sorkin it kind of reminded mm -hmm. me literary reference of um i am charlotte simmons the, oh yes um, <laughs> yeah 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 tom wolf book that came out when i was in college which yep. was supposed to be kind of an amalgam of of yale and stanford and duke and all these other places yep. oh, and it, it was double checking good, but Double checking, sorkin went to syracuse yeah yeah huh. so to me it kind of was like a little bit of yeah, someone who went to Syracuse in the 80s imagining what a, like a final club party would be. But at the same time, you know, Yale and Harvard have had some pretty intense struggles with being um, a diverse or welcoming place. Mm -hmm. um, I know. And I would say, so final clubs are frats. They're just mm -hmm. frats. Mm -hmm. And in, in fact, they've they have a very sort of frat element to them too. I don't know if you guys read this, but probably about five years ago, Harvard um, president, who at the time was Drew Gilpin Faust, who's an amazing Civil War historian, said that if you are a member of any single gender only undergraduate organization, and they are all the final clubs have been kicked off campus, they're not affiliated with the university, but ex except on only Harvard people, you know, are in them, Harvard would uh, not allow you to be a captain of any sports team and oh. would not allow you to get official recommendation letters for scholarships. Whoa. So like, that's the were, type of... Were um, these all all male up until this point? There was there were a couple that were all female. And so this has gone back and forth now for, for a year, a couple of years now uh, of, you know, they were arguing at points that like the, this was an infringement of their constitutional rights to assembly. It's been a real, real mess. But part of that is just because of their their reputation. Yale's a little different. The secret societies at Yale um, went co-ed in the 80s or 90s. Like Skull and Bones has been co-ed since the 90s. And just they don't have the same kind of frat vibe. Like basically they're to be high and mighty. Like they're a little bit more just like you gather as this almost like a salon and just like talk about things and tell your life story, which is like dumb in its own way. But uh, it's not the kind of rampage that you see depicted in, in this movie. And like one of my good friends was in Wolf's Head, which was the third oldest secret society at Yale. Mm -hmm. And like I've been in there and it's insane. They have this huge in, imposing sort of building right on campus and you go in there and it's just like you expect it to just be you know uh skulls and all sorts of crazy stuff it's lube and like, sheep <laughs> it's like a rich the accumulated addicts of a lot of very wealthy people mm. and so there's just like 
antelopes and like tapestries uh except in their informal dining room secrets secrets uh is a mummy there's just a mummy (laughs) Uh, and so i will this uh, i I said i was going to do this uh i'm going to issue a 302010 correction oh please Uh, oh no 20 years ago this week six months ago the movie (laughs) the skulls came out with joshua jackson and craig d nelson indeed When yes. you guys discussed this, uh, Diana, you told the story of me seeing the delivery man dropping off empty pallets of Mountain Dew. It was, in <laughs> fact, Diet Sprite. Oh, uh, that's even dumber. Yeah. Even worse. Diet and caffeine free? What are you drinking? So here's what I thought. I had the same reaction, which is like, there's no way people are sitting in skull and bones ruling the world economy, but drinking Diet Sprite out of skulls or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but then I realized... I realized this actually watching Spectre, the James Bond movie, (laughs) which is like, if you all have rings that say I'm a bad guy on them, like everyone can know you're a bad guy. So I realized that if you're at a really fancy bar or whatever in Wall Street and you're like, I would like a diet Sprite, that's how they know you're part of the Illuminati. Oh. Yeah. Or or it's just a club where they just hang out and then like sit in a coffin sometimes. That that's also possible. Maybe no, it's just because diet's the Illuminati. Maybe just diet sprites a good mixer for making jungle juice or something. Yeah. The the other skull story as an addendum is I, I did not see this, but this was told to me because it came out two years before I came to campus. Is they screened the skulls, which was filmed at the University of Toronto at the theater right by Yale's campus, and there's a scene where the uh, provost of Yale shoots a student to like keep the skulls <laughs> secret. Yes, yes, I remember it very vividly when I watched this movie. Uh, and supposedly during the screening, someone from the the Yale audience yelled out, "Oh, so that's what a provost does." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you Yaleys. <laughs> as far as I know, though, like that is actually what a provost does. I don't okay, know so what now does. tell me what a comptroller does, since we're defining <laughs> terms, because I'm still unclear about that. <laughs> I, I, I want to know, like, uh, like, how accurate do you think uh, Jesse Eisenberg portrayed Mark Zuckerberg in the movie? Because, like, uh, uh, I, don't, I haven't read a ton of profiles on this guy, but he's clearly not surrounded by a bunch of his friends and people he started the company with. Mm. And and people he went to college with, like well, the he people- has two friends in the movie, and he fucks them both over yes. very rapidly. Yeah, I mean, I I just imagine I just picture Mark Zuckerberg now, just like with a blank look on his face, like hacking a pig's head the, off of its body. Those those pictures he, like, of him promised to kill all of his own animals. Those pictures of him which going is the to most Congress, psychotic thing you could do. The pictures of him going into Congress look like. Like when people get their dogs professionally photographed, like they just know when to look in one direction and not emote at all. I mean, he's a skin job at this point. Dude, like, he's, he's yeah. like, you know, I, if I he had a friend, so... if he had a friend, then why that haircut? Why? Yeah, like, he has a wife. Why isn't she doing something? I, I was, I mean, so many people made fun of when he went and spoke in front of Congress and like, well, he's definitely not got Aaron Sorkin writing for you now because his answers were like, well, I guess mm-hmm. lying is bad. Which is like, did you not have anyone to train you with like media of like how to what questions are they gonna ask? What should be your pat little answers? Look, the Winklevi would have done better. I want I want Word. I want dirt on this motherfucker. I want to know if people hated him or not. <laughs> I think that's I mean, obvious. Yeah. I mean, again, like getting back to your to the idea of, of sort of the elitism of these places, they're very elite. They they train you to uh feel that way about them. They train you to feel that way about other people. I think even in the opening scene, which was filmed directly next to my house at the time, uh hey. the, the, the fine thirsty scholar, which was not which was a, 
okay bar. The way he speaks of disdain toward like towards anyone who goes to BU is, is <laughs> extremely accurate. Uh, and just you're in a bubble within a bubble within a bubble. That's why it's sort of silly to me that he's so hung up on getting into these these clubs mm-hmm. because like it's just not it's just like not a, a thing you care about until you get to campus and then everyone is you know you you convince yourself these things are really important but they're they're really they're really not. Well, yeah, that's the yeah. question, right? Like, to what end? To what end is all of this? And like, yeah, I've, I've been in situations, social situations where people are really into being in social circles or whatever. And it's the thing that you just have to like realize that there's always another inner circle. So like, no matter how elite, like, you're, there's just never any end to the yeah. that idea. Like, just chill, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I went to, you know, a big commuter public university, but Mm -hmm. one thing did ring true just from having visited Jeff at Yale. Acapella groups, man. What the fuck? Yeah. What's up with that? (laughs) Why do you guys, Uh, why is that such a thing for They just love acapella groups. Because they don't have time to learn how to play instruments. That's for the poor's. I think, uh, well, what you don't know is that the acapella groups actually become a kind of pseudo fraternity as well. The Wicked Poofs? The Whiff and Boost, which now admit women, <gasps> if we, they can sing the parts. We all gasp. So. Okay, oh. I know about this from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I know. Correct. From a Bob uh, Hope song. No, so I would say the thing that, that you know, is very true about these places is that they are still colleges. Like, they are r- ruled by the same sort of concepts and ways people interact with each other that every college, I think, more mm-hmm. or less does. They're just these very brief bursts where it is very much not a normal college. My freshman year tailgate at the Harvard-Yale game, the alumni tailgate was sponsored by Bentley um, (laughs) and, like, had actual silver, you know, out. Like, you could get your barbecue, like, honest, actual, like, china with, like, silverware. and and Co-sponsored by Caviar and and Blackwater. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, like that. The you know, again, every you know, the first year you're a freshman. They have this big freshman dinner at the time in Commons, which was like the giant train station of a dining hall, mm-hmm. and it was like jacket and tie required. You know, it was lobster and fillet. There was an ice sculpture swan. There's like a you know a quartet and tuxedos playing, you know, up on a on a mezzanine, and at points like that, you're like, all right, this is. Maybe not a normal college experience for most people. I, I do have one question. Did you toast to Baal or did you toast gentlemen? <laughs> to evil? Uh, pretty much. I mean, you know, <laughs> you don't even like uh, you try to choose which underworld god you you rush it. I mean, you, you're like, oh. are you going to do with a Pluto? Are you going to do with a, you know, Beelzebub? You got to you got to mm. choose. And they, they all have their own little. Positives and negatives, I would say. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Jesus, sure. just avoid Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> altogether. It's, it's a very, very strange place in a lot of ways. It has way too much money. I mean, the endowment of Yale at this point is about $28 billion. No, I, um, I, I only lived off campus for like a semester at, you know, St. Augustine College, but I felt like a complete outsider because I had like 19 bucks a week to do shit with. And they were like, let's, kinda, yeah. let's go off campus to eat today. Like, I can't i i literally cannot do that are you going to finish those fries because that's all but but that's what i I, the movie makes sense or like it makes zuckerberg sympathetic if he he seems to come in as an outsider because he Mm. seems very mad at everybody Mm. 
mm-hmm. and, and and that he's that he uh like I gotta do this my way. But like yeah. they don't say he's anything. He's an insider to Harvard. Like yeah. that's, yeah. that's sort of the, the, one of the things. It's not it's not Rudy here. Like it's not like <laughs> yeah. the janitor gets like one shot to uh, join a finals club. Like he's he's comes from like a very uh, very privileged place. He's already a very smart guy. He's already gotten into Harvard. Like right. you know, yeah. it's that's why he to me again like it's very hard to uh, to root for him. But it's also hard to root for like everyone else, and in yeah, well, the, that's yeah. Everyone's I'm saying kind the, of wink, the Winklevosses no. are perfect, still perfect fucking villains. They feel like oh. I, it was my idea. Like this I've had a billion ideas. Slobs. I've this had a billion. Yeah, I, you know what was my idea? Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I thought you know I thought bring all the superheroes together in one big movie, and like I should probably Honestly. get a cut of that. It's my yeah. idea. Oh, I think Army Hammer. The effects are so good. Oh, there there, mean, there I, were a couple the, the of them. Is there's so a couple clever. of them that are terrible now. There's like one that's like okay. <laughs> that's yeah, a hovering that's a face. face. That is a fucking Snapchat app. Uh, Mostly they just they cut just right so that you can't well, tell. Most, but most of the time, Andrew it's, Garfield. It's, I find Andrew Garfield very Eduardo. sympathetic in this. I, I guess, but, but I why? promise. Why? Because he's in the boring Jewish frat I that pr- had shitty parties that look closer to my college parties. I promise <laughs> that guy's a piece of shit. The movie just needed some surrogate, yes. somebody to yeah, like in this movie. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, I'm thinking about like what this movie, not Facebook, what this movie hath wrought upon us, that it is some good stuff and some bad stuff. I mean, for a while, it was cool to have these like movie trailers that have this creepy children's chorus singing a song that mm-hmm. was a huge thing for a yeah. while so yay but then nay but army hammer thank you thank you i, I will say thank, thank you, you for, for uh, hammer. thank for, you uh, for one of the best days of my life which was watching is call me by your name by myself in a movie theater oh, um get him up amen. get him up yeah i'll uh, bring it <laughs> i'll bring that up every single day and i will thank you uh on the heels of watchmen winning an emmy um uh trent reznor and atticus ross as the yeah. scorer is fucking and, phenomenal and like and it and is it's so subtle yeah. though mm-hmm. usually best score is the big bombastic thing you can hum on your way home and no. this is so subtle it's unnerving and so perfectly mm-hmm. insidious even yes much like uh, uh, but even Jesse Eisenberg I mean he was not really a known quantity until now right no I knew, uh, I knew. Zombieland Zombieland yeah. and uh, uh, Roger Dodger. If you never seen a Roger Dodger, it's a good. I movie. mean, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like this really, I think, was his like rocketing him. Probably to his game, breakthrough which, yeah. for yeah. better or for worse. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it, it's it's going to be hard for people to see him in other roles because the second he yeah. starts talking fast, which he's very good at giving delivering dialogue like that, mm-hmm. they're going mm-hmm. to think this vaguely Aspie Zuckerberg Im- impression. Mm-hmm. And That's actually a good point. I totally thought that, and now you see me and yeah. uh, him playing Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. it's like. Although that's why I kind of like that casting. <laughs> like, what about the uh, Woody Allen one he was in? The I did not Society? watch that one. Right. We don't watch that <laughs> stuff no. anymore. Oh, but Rio. I actually, I'm like the world's only defender of the movie Rio, the animated film. I fucking love it. Yeah, literally. Academy <laughs> Award winner, Rio. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mentioned this uh, off, off the air, but uh, there's really not a movie that, that has dropped, I think, in my estimation of it uh, because of subsequent events like this movie has. I really liked this movie when it came out. I mean, as a as a pure movie, it's it's very good. The acting is yeah. fantastic, the the score is good. But like, this is this is like Manhattan, the the Woody Allen movie, where you just <laughs> can't like you for me at least, you can't really 
Like, I'm in love with a preteen it. girl, and it's crazy. Could you believe I mean, this would happen? Another, there, there's oh large stretches God. of that that are, are amazing, mm-hmm. but that, like, at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, I mean, again, he's dating a 16-year-old. So mm-hmm. it's 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 great that Jesse Eisenberg then went on to become a Woody Allen surrogate in Cafe wow. Society. Right. What was the one that he did? Cafe um, Society and uh, To Room With Love also. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. So... It's it was strange. I, again, like I think the the actual kind of depictions of college life to me are very eighties. Again, mm-hmm. like the idea of there's like slobs versus snobs at at Harvard is mm-hmm. is sort of ludicrous. But Does even the slobs it, have ascots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like oh, you're you're in the second chair of your regatta or whatever. Even my it's boat just, shoes have boat shoes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a very, very elite place. It's designed to do that. It's designed to make you feel very chummy, mm-hmm. but there is a kind of outsider view of what happens there from the script. That would be kind of like if, if the four of us wrote a script about Oxford and Cambridge like, yeah, we mm. could probably get a lot of it right, but, like, something about it would just not be totally right. It would be, like, why is there, like, a little Harry Potter in this? Um, <laughs> and there is a little Harry Potter sometimes. Um, yeah. But that's That's I what mean, our parents would call the Yale campus. They called it Hogwarts, by the way. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Great campus. And, like, uh, it's just, um, there is a little bit of that, but that, you know, that only matters to the small percentage of people who, you know, were there at that time, even for the vast majority of people who are watching this movie, like they're not going to pick up on these things or care like that. I, you know, I, it's I, like, Oh, people don't wear those jackets. They actually wear slightly, slightly different jackets. And I like believe that was the only thing Zuckerberg publicly praised was like, uh, yep. That was the music that was playing that I was definitely wearing those sandals and, and hoodies. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean the hoodie budget on this. Alone <laughs> yeah. That was hoodie. accurate. That felt, that felt yeah. real. Just kind of like, you know, it's winter in New England, like schlumpy gap sweatshirts. Are, like, yeah, of course are, you're gonna do that. Are there coding groupies? <laughs> um maybe now? Uh no, not even. Yeah. I mean not. again, no. again 80s. The, the, 80s. for example, the women that I know who now have married all billionaires, like mm-hmm. they were very smart, accomplished women. This movie, other than the fact that in real life it happened there, like you could you could just divorce it totally from college and it would make sense you would just mm-hmm. say like oh they want an internship or whatever like it's it's to me know. to I me like... i didn't get a lot out of it from being from at at harvard yeah. i don't know i feel like that's that is a really good question does this play differently if it were to a a different college or b just a different environment and i feel like especially with the winklevosses yeah. and their the weight that they bring with you know they never get to say, do you know who my father is? But <laughs> any second now, someone's saying it. It's, it's implied. That, they're always that, on the verge. That brings something. Once my father's freed up his lawyers, we're going to get this guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's damn. that's what's fascinating, I think, about those characters. And, I mean, Army Hammer is, is wonderful. And I, I looked at his IMDb, and I'm like, this guy's really all over the place in terms oh, of, of yeah. roles, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, like, in some ways, you, you'd almost want the Winklevi to be the characters that you identify with or root for, because yeah. you. <laughs> this is where the question is, like, who's really the, who, who's like the antagonist and the protagonist, or are they just all anti-heroes, which is a very, very strange movie that, like, I can't root for, a, for these, like, Aryan supermen, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, like, h- how is Mark Zuckerberg going to be checked 
mm-hmm. by anything. And this is this is where I think it's really again very difficult to make a movie about someone who's on the rise who's still on the rise. Right. Is that mm-hmm. there there really is an arc, and so you have to create a kind of emotional comeuppance of some kind. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the time watching it, I was like, oh, that you know that works pretty well. That like lands. And I think at this point, mm-hmm. because he is just so wealthy and so powerful. I just don't think the the kind of emotional comeuppance that you're supposed to see at the end is like relevant. Like right. I think at this point he's like, oh, at the end of the day, he can just literally buy off all of his problems. I mean, that's what happens at the end of the movie. He, he, could, he, he, just... could, he could cash out of his company and never be liable for anything. Yeah. He could live mm. on the moon. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, and, that, and so that's, that to me is one of the problems of, of this movie as a, as a movie with like an arc is that at the end you you have all these conflicts and he just buys them off. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. Rashida yeah. Jones says. Like you are an, a- I mean, also I love Rashida Jones, but mm-hmm. she is 100% wrong. Mark Zuckerberg is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like that yeah. to me, I groaned, I groaned at that moment in my house <laughs> where, you know, she's like, Oh, you're not an asshole. You're just kind of are essentially playing that role. And I was like, no, no, no. this is Aaron Sorkin. This He's is Aaron awesome. Sorkin putting a map on top of these these otherwise kind of blank characters and not admitting that like no they're just terrible because they've been allowed to just engage in everything they could ever did did you imagine. hear did you hear that well, zuckerberg was an asshole as a student did i uh kinda <laughs> i mean <laughs> yes. I, I knew people who knew him and and it's not so much he was an asshole it's just like do they talk just, about him like i can't believe that guy or like dude that guy ugh <sighs> Not so, it's just kind of like he's not even at the time and you know at the time you know this is like 2006 so mm-hmm. it's like you know we're we're maybe just past the ivy leagues or something in mm-hmm. terms of facebook's presentation it's more just like oh yeah like that guy he you know he's doing his thing i mean whatever i worked with him and he was kind of flaky uh and <laughs> sort of stole some ideas uh, from this like previous social network or just like copied code. I mean, it wasn't even stealing. It's just like, mm. he's a, he's a programmer. He's a lazy programmer. So you're going to like steal code because that's Which easy. He, I, 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 he claims it's like all he's interested in now. Code. I love coding. I just love it. Cool. Yeah. But cool. this is a bigger question. I think about any movie that's going to be made about like sort of anything that's really about the internet mm-hmm. is how do you depict kind of the consequences of actions mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this movie really the the consequences of mark zuckerberg's actions are he gains more power and more money and mm-hmm. kind of sells out his friends mm-hmm. and and they're not even like they're not even necessarily his strong friends i think that's like the fact that we didn't know like in 2010 which just doesn't feel that long ago mm-hmm. like and then from 2010 to where facebook began like did not feel that long ago. Like it's kind of the best example of that law that I can never remember the name of it, but basically like technology grows exponentially as yeah. time goes on, like exponentially fast. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm talking about? I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of that law, yeah. but it's a thing. And so like it, it's, it feels like it's gone so much faster, like, you know, out of control because that's how technology works. So yeah. there's no way in 2010 we would have known like where we would be now. Right. Like, yeah. There was no idea in my head. I didn't think in 2010, like, oh, Facebook might be a force of evil. Facebook oh. might be a thing that makes me hate my aunts. Like, <laughs> you know, you just don't. I would have never thought that in 2010. But that's why it's like a, a, a question, I think, uh, about why why was that then chosen by someone like Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher to, to do? I mean, they could have made a movie about Pets.com. 
right? That has a much clearer arc. And I, I recommend oh, anyone out there. I want to see it. the fucked company movie. <laughs> or like, company or um, Cosmo, like that actually would be a really fascinating movie just because of how much it presaged and also like was a total failure. You know, there's, there's something that drew these people to this story, mm-hmm. even though it was very clearly not complete. It was, yeah. you know, it was only going up. And that's where there is like a kind of, almost a, a, a moral question of, of you as a storyteller, you know, how do you frame these things? Cause he, he didn't really both the, the, the writer and the director didn't really frame it as a takedown job of Mark Zuckerberg. No. Like, no. No. At all. It just um, ended up that way. Cause he's that unlikable. Right. Yeah, you know, it's not Citizen Kane, like where right. you, you show like how, or, or there will be blood, which I think are, are obviously both excellent movies. Like where you show the monstrosity of this, character through some sort of you know total collapse of of the ego or the company or his life's work or or every personal arrangement i mean at the Mm -hmm. end of the movie uh of there will be blood you know daniel plainview has also lost every uh every personal (laughs) connection he's been totally alienated as well Mm -hmm. and it obviously hits in a very different way than like jesse eisenberg in a conference room you know well he was uh, an asshole from square one that's why i love the opening scene so much <laughs> we see even before all this he's the exact same kind of asshole he is such an elitist about harvard and these clubs and uh, you need to prove how worthy you are to be my mm-hmm. girlfriend and i don't understand why you're mad right now well i think that's the point that Aaron Sorkin is is making here which I think is kind of lost in a lot of this and rightly so because it's not the real point of the, the social network is that like no matter what you have no matter what tra- trappings of success or money or whatever you have or 3,000 million friends you still can't be made happy by it you know yeah I mean that that's his simplistic oh, message from this which is not just real. want to shake him cash say, out man have fun go do something you like I'm looking forward to the MySpace TV movie starring uh, Noah Wiley. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, fuck you. Friendster for life. I feel like Noah Wiley would be in it. I don't know why. Tom is a great example of a human being. Like, he never, ever, ever at once thought about improving MySpace, took the money, and then ran and took (laughs) photographs. Yeah, he's still into that whiteboard, man. Yeah. (laughs) Love you. Well, that's it. I mean, he's such a sort of interesting counterpart. I would have... you know, again, parallel structures of just like he should have been a character in this movie. I would have loved. <laughs> did they mention my? Did they mention MySpace at all? In no, the, in the no. film. No, he's yeah. A, he's no, a, yeah, they do. Oh, they do. They do. They talk about why would we have another social network? We already have MySpace and Friendster, right. which Friendster was dying pretty fast anyway. But yeah, yeah MySpace have, was was the big dog to deal with. You'll have to what settle for his pro, her pro his prolonged cameo in Funny People. <laughs> I, I love the idea of just like in the middle of this, someone just recut it of just like Tom kind of like wanders in and is just like, hey man, just like chill it out. Like puts on some sunglasses, gets in his, his Corvette, like drives off. Yeah, I'd put it's her in my idiot. top eight. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, just a real gear shift. Do you just remember we wouldn't be able to uh, upload, we wouldn't have been able to upload more than eight images to our MySpace profile had the movie Transformers come along and allowed us unlimited photo uploads. That's what had to happen in order for MySpace to improve itself. Yeah, uh, Thank I, you, Transformers. It's, it's a very, this movie is a very interesting um, time capsule of, yeah. of, of, again, of a view of, of technology that I think has, except for the people who are maybe still in it. And again, it's kind of like in that Goodfellas vein of like, 
you know, some people kind of miss the, the point <laughs> that uh, this era and this view of technology, I think is, is really, it really is, is in the past. And even though it's only 10 years ago, it feels, it feels so long ago right. in terms mm-hmm. of, if, of the, how it views what technology does. And yeah. I think if you, if off the top of your head, I mean, you can think of so many things that come out in the last 10 years that have a kind of Mark Zuckerberg-esque figure that um, really, really frame things in a very, very, very different way. Even stuff like Westworld is mm-hmm. uh, has mm-hmm. a, an element of that, of yeah. just these these people who are creating things out of nothing. And they're not viewed as like some scrappy guy who's just fighting to get into where he wants to go. Like, mm-hmm. we just don't have that, that <laughs> view, except for like people in the Valley, maybe people in Silicon Valley who really try to like pitch themselves that way. I just don't think that like most people. Yeah. And then Peter Thiel shows up and gives them a big pile of money, but only if they're evil and hate Gawker. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, again, like all these people, someone like Peter Thiel is a, is a great example. I almost like, I would love a, to see a movie about Peter Thiel. Yeah. I mean, cause that's, that's probably more interesting to see how someone who gains that kind of money actually and power uses it. Um, and, and very like nakedly about his own sort of, uh, griefs and hangups, mm. you know, that, that I think is a much fuller arc than, than Mark Zuckerberg at 27, where he's just like, he's rich. Yeah. That's actually a good question. I mean, we've been going really long, so we should probably wrap it up, but it was a really good question. Assholes like good fellas, they like Scarface, they like Wolf of Wall Street because they miss the point. Do you think there's the same kind of bros? Yes. That, yes. That loves Mark Zuckerberg yes. in this movie? hundred percent. Yes. Man, it's so great the way he's fucking everyone over. He wins. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, he of wins. course he wins. Yeah. Well, much he basically becomes the Winklevosses in a way. Now he has enough money that he can buy what he wants. He can buy yeah. everyone off. Never be that handsome, though. No. <laughs> that that <laughs> army hammer. Whew. He's 6'5", 230, and there's two of them. Oof, girl. <laughs> no, I mean, I think a lot of people watch this movie and are like, it pays to be an asshole. In the end, he wins. Yeah. And, like, there's a lot of movies that have that it's not wrong. message if you take that take that off the top it is wrong in except when it doesn't work right like if if you win if you win you can be an asshole there are also just plenty of people who are assholes who don't succeed and just everyone thinks they're yeah but nobody makes movies about them maybe they they should pets.com that's i don't know who the i don't know who this founder (laughs) is i don't want to say that person was terrible for everyone who is like writing a comment right now moore's law moore's law is the law Ah. i'm thinking of right don't worry guys i got it and for everyone who's under uh, 25, look up pets.com and it's a global <laughs> puppet mascot. Oh, th- Jeff, thank you so much for coming on, man. That was this Sure. Is, uh, Next time there's an Ivy League movie, uh, I will comment on it. I guess uh, Good Shepherd is coming up at some oh, point. Oh, you're right. Back to school. Uh, yeah. Tell us about your CIA connections. We've already done uh, back to school. Oh, damn it. Uh, Good Shepherd, uh, how high? Um, uh <laughs> Uh, soul man have we done soul man yet no yes we did sadly yeah yeah oh that's uh that is a hundred percent accurate timeless timeless film time yeah Yeah. that movie uh has it's increased in my view over time i think it's even it's even better uh and and truer today than it's ever been Oh. I'm glad there's also going to be a bunch of people now who have to look up Soul Man and be like horrible, uh, horrified. Well, 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 no, it is a timeless movie. There was no time where that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, goodness. Not the Dan Aykroyd sitcom. But uh, thank you very much. Anybody find you anywhere? You want to? Sure. I, the, I think one time I was on Laser Time, like six hey. years ago, I plugged Baskerville Studio, my letterpress and bookbinding studio here oh. in New Orleans. If not that, you can find me if there is a Mardi Gras this year as part of Crew Dancite, my urban planning themed Mardi Gras crew. <laughs> uh, we march in Crew Bohem. That'll probably be in uh, late January. So I'll, I'll catch you on the parade route. Social network done. Never bring it up again. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> TV this week, September 25th through October 1st. Sister Wives debuts. I don't know what that is. Uh, on TLC. Yeah. Technically, I think it's still airing, even though it's like constantly filming a crime, which we'll be talking about in a bit because it's about, you know, a guy and his multiple wives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh. we do have friends who watch this show, and apparently, I had never seen it, but apparently, like, last season or two seasons ago, one of the wives got catfish. <laughs> and that was a storyline. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, yeah, I got I got catfished around. into watching uh, No Ordinary Family. Sure. It was very heavily advertised at Comic-Con. Like, mm-hmm. there's never going to be a Marvel or DC TV show. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to have this uh, off-brand one on ABC. Uh, uh, no Ordinary Family, a fantastic forest show starring a family of soups headed up by uh, Michael Chiklis, Vic Mackey, and Julie Ben is fresh off of being murdered on Dexter. Uh, but Michael Chiklis... Was in the Fantastic Four. I know. Four. I know. Mm. Okay. This Just time he's Mister sure. Fantastic. And on the t- also on the twenty eighth, uh, I spent way too t- too much time looking at Teen Mom, an episode of MTV's Teen Mom that shows participant Amber Portwood reportedly assaulting her, her partner in front of their young child, kicking, punching him, and leaving him injured. I believe kicking him in the back as he's walking down the stairs, sending him down oh. the stairs. No one did anything while filming, uh, nor did they report the crimes to police. However, viewers did. And uh, she was arrested on felony domestic violence charges after uh, viewers, television viewers, reported the assault for the weeks to come and MTV's pension for replaying stuff. And that was just the beginning of this woman's legal problems because they found crack in the house after that. And it's just mm. it's just like a constant nightmare for this woman after this. I don't know. I don't want to morally. Literally someone shared, and I don't know if they were making a joke, like, we need less teen mom and 16 and pregnant and more like 18 and graduated and 20, <laughs> 21 in college. Like, shut up. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, who would want to watch a show about that but, I, I mean i've seen a fair amount of 16 and pregnant and team mom and there's something very compelling about watching these people like who are often in terrible circumstances like oh, I, try to make their way and i watched um, molly ringwald and ralph macchio and four keeps on several different occasions but, <laughs> but uh, so i'm not i'm not against that it's just that it's it's still on and just like in terms of like I just just at a glance, no. people who don't ha- have it good when their show is over, the people on these shows, and they people I think don't still have on... it good when the show before the show started, yeah, during the big show, and after the show. So I've seen a, I, I, the couple I've seen like there were, there were wealthy people for the most part, but I didn't see this one. But it was a it was kind of a big deal because MTV was all of a sudden like not only responsible for what it was depicting on airwaves, like you should have done something the entire time this was happening. Mm-hmm. And instead you were probably doing, get a, get another angle on that. <laughs> get it to edit page. Go, go, go. Uh, yeah, they didn't do anything during all this stuff. And then this is just the beginning of stuff like this that happens on MTV shows like this. Cause oh, yeah. I just, mean, like I'm giving the, the mothers and fathers, the benefit of the doubt, just having the cameras there has to incite 
why would you be filmed if nothing dramatic is happening? Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. Everybody knows True, that. True, but also, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be on better behavior if cameras are filming? I mean, yeah. ask every other reality show you watch. That's not what yeah, gets that's you. On, that's not what yeah, gets you. But so much time. of this, you know, like Teen Mom is you're trying to show that you're an okay mom, right? Aren't you trying to show you can make it despite what's all the problems, and maybe you shouldn't be <sighs> assaulting people. Oh. In front of the kid, in front of the cameras. That doesn't tend to shit like, oh, no, I'm protecting my kids. No, you're kicking some guy in the back. Yeah. No. Abortions, uh, get them while they're hot. Uh, Modern Family on the 29th. <laughs> the Kiss? That's an yeah, episode that's highlighted. this was a big deal for Modern Family because we're in the second season of Modern Family. And it it was such a hit from the beginning. I think mm-hmm. we talked about last year was its first season. But one of the criticisms is that there is a gay couple on this television program who show no physical affection to each other and that was a big deal i mean a lot of people had criticisms for abc and for the show it's like look here's mitch and cam a married gay couple who are who have adopted a child like they're for real like we never see them hug we never see them kiss we never see them be physically affectionate with each other and so this episode was kind of you know i mean abc and the writers kind of skirt around and say like oh we we were always planning on this episode but i mean i do think that it was in reaction to people saying like hello like this is a married couple you see all the other married couples on the show like hugging and kissing and being affectionate with each other and why don't you say judging judging from the title you made this something you built up to plot exactly exactly and and, you know the storyline of this episode is that mitch is like just generally not comfortable with pda da 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 but you know i mm. i, I kind of feel like it was a little bit of a craven like uh okay sorry sorry we heard some outcry so mm. we'll we'll have these two guys kiss because that's what you want yeah uh, right mm. oh yada 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 trump's america okay and <laughs> so quickly rattling <laughs> off the video games of this week because there are a lot uh samurai warriors three i'm not even gonna read Atelier, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait till the Patreon show to read that. Patreon comes later. Dead Rising Two uh, is out on multiple platforms, as is uh, FIFA Eleven. It's our hero, Warriors of Rock. How do you follow up one of the most successful video games of all time? Find out mm. with the fourth Guitar Hero. Quantum Theory is out, as is Hydrophobia, and huge, huge games for PC that are still going to this day. Final Fantasy Fourteen and World of Tanks debut. Oh, so, yeah. Enjoy your microtransactions. Uh, that is about it for our show. Uh, thank you very much to, what is it, Mikey Cox and uh, many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time, getting exclusive stuff all over the wazoo just by supporting your uh, friends at the Laser Time Network. We do appreciate every single person, and I wish we could thank you all individually. Diana, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And preview for next week. Oh, I'm so happy. I don't think it's the best Coen Brothers movie, but it is my favorite Coen Brothers movie. I can see why. And last time we jawed, you gave me the (laughs) hi-hat. Oh, can't wait. I love that one. And that's not not even the only Coen Brothers movie coming this year on the show. Oh, no. On our show. Oh, no. Uh, I'm very, very excited about that. I should plug, I think on bonus time this week, I might have a sexpert on. (gasps) Uh, Yeah. How about that? I have a friend a friend doing a new thing. So um, I'm going to talk to her about that. Patreon.com slash laser time. Die, who's dead? 
Well, in the deaths in 2000, we lost Richard Mulligan, who was 67. That's the guy from Empty Nest and oh. a bunch of other stuff. And he always looked way older than 67. I was kind of bummed. These. Oh, he was just 67. He's a funny guy. And then in 2010, oh, man, we just had a bad week. Uh, we lost Arthur Penn, who's 88. He's the director of Miracle Worker, Bonnie and Clyde, Alice's Restaurant, uh, Little Big Man. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of movies. I like Tony Curtis, uh, one of those last stars mm. going back to the 50s. He was 85. And God damn it, a star from the 30s, Gloria Stewart, who made it to 100. She was the old lady in Titanic, probably how you know her. Ah. But she was in movies back to like 1932 or so. Watch the old dark house, which is a fucking crazy movie. And she's like the hot, sexy lady in it. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Well, with all that, uh, that death out of the way, even that poor, poor centurion, it was not her time. Uh, but <laughs> we got to get a badass. We got to get the Bubba Barson. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong, doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, birthday quiz. Time to birthday tell quiz. Okay. Here we go. This is a good one. Well, I like to have round numbers, but I did find someone turning 69 this week. Nice. nice. The weed number. Yeah. He or she is probably so high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Born September 25th, 1951 in Oakland, California. His dad was a captain in the Navy, and he was one of seven kids. They moved around a lot. Mm. Uh, he started acting as a teenager with a recurring role on General Hospital. Then he was in the pilot for Eight is Enough, but was replaced when it went to series. He did a bunch of stage work, like uh, Elephant Man and Amadeus on Broadway, and auditioned for the movie, and didn't... Since then, 351 IMDb credits. What? That is literally the most I have ever seen. Okay. So, let's start with uh, last week we talked about The Flash and Static Shock. Sam he was on Jackson. both of them. Uh, no. Uh, uh, we've also talked about him on The Tick, Hey Arnold, and Adventure Time. Uh, not Patrick Warburton? No, he's not 69. No. Um, he didn't just do DC, though. Uh, he's also been on The Avengers show, where he played Armin Zola, Red Skull, and Claw. Hugo Weaving. No, good luck. What? So. But he's also appeared as himself on Third Rock from the Sun, Just Christopher Shoot Lloyd. Me, Big Bang Theory, The Simpsons, and Family Guy. Not Christopher Lloyd? Nope. Oh, that's only the Simpsons ride. Mm, I don't know. And more recently, uh, he was on Avatar The Last Airbender. R.I.P. Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Oh. What We Do in the Shadows. Oh. Movie we're going to talk about pretty soon. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Mark Hamill? It is Mark Hamill! Yeah. Wow! Forever! Oh my god. Yeah. None of those were Sarah things, so I really needed to get that. I was having trouble finding Sarah things because it really is, there's so much Star Wars related stuff. But, you know, once once he pivoted to being a voice actor Mm -hmm. and he is so good at it. Absolutely. He is the best Joker. I will fight anyone. He's my favorite Joker. But also everything he does that I like, he sounds like the Joker. (laughs) Well, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he sounds a little bit different what was there was one some there was some cartoon that took me like forever to figure out it was him and it was driving me insane mm. and it didn't sound like the joker but yeah it's I just i love it when someone finds like finds their niche and just yeah, runs with it yeah 351 credits and they're mostly video games and cartoons. Wow, wow. plus oh yeah fucking star wars Fucking Star Wars. I think he was the original Invader Zim. You can see that on the DVD. <laughs> yeah, didn't go. Didn't go, but he was the first person they cast as Zim. That did that happen. Sorry. 
Uh, but that about yep. that's about it for our show. You can find out more at lasertimepodcast.com. I'm going to close out with Suicide Blonde by NXS. And I wonder if they regret writing any songs with the word suicide in it. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, I totally forgotten. <laughs> it's not your I fault. I don't care. The song rules. And it wasn't know. suicide. It was an yeah. adventure. It, oh. <laughs> that's true. It wasn't suicide. Yeah. It's an accident. Don't knock until you try it. But also don't knock. Don't try it. Okay. <laughs> don't try it, yes. Uh, not without a willing participant. Anyway, we've been 302010. Thank you guys so much. I'm a little punchy. Sorry for those last few bad jokes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Take us out, it says. Don't you see the color of the sound?